1: Hello and welcome to another side of the episode of the comic book Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host, Ridica Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at Knows Need on Twitter, and you can find me at CBcaps on Instagram
2: with Columbia
1: down the way. And sound effects you've just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One agent underscore 70.
0: On Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Exactly.
1: It all just flows off the tongue, people. Um, yeah, this is the cumber Chronicles, as we ha- as I have just said, and you can find this here podcast on the calls of the podcast network. That's CSPN.us. US. Do it today. You can also find us on our podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the so no 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 um, the, <laughs> the cold slither. SoundCloud, um, th- I almost had it. Coles uh Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Sometimes you just have those weeks, folks. It happens like that. Um You can also find his recording here every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. On either, and or both, rather, uh the Click Nation's YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. That's th, uh, a T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N or of course the Twitch page of the Comic Book Chronicles, which is twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. <laughs> yalla, yalla, yalla and uh, folks we are here to talk some comic books, but before we start actual some comic books, we are going to get into the recap of um, Loki episode three right Oh, And obviously, before we get into our discussion of Loki,
0: big reminder, this is a big, big spoiler alert for anyone who is still behind on Loki. We will, we will be discussing all of the episodes of Loki that have been released up till now, that is including up to and including uh, Episode 3, as well as the rest of the MCU. So guess what? If you're listening to this point... You need to fast forward just a bit if you don't want to be spoiled on Loki or much of what's happened in the MCU to date. So in three, two, one, spoilers herein
1: and hereafter. Absolutely. So, um... Loki season one episode three name is Lamentis, which I don't know if it's this is a planet we've come through before.
0: I thought it was odd because it was my understanding that I guess the timeline the the, the, the time the, the these catastrophes in which the, the variant was the variant Loki was hiding uh, were all Earth-based, but I guess not. Mm-mm, you oh, know, no. I was very, very much surprised to see that it was supposedly an alien world except everyone's human. But uh, this is, you know, this is pretty much a, a distant planet, uh, a distant, you know, a, a distant happening in the sacred timeline that uh, the variant is hiding in.
1: So it's also not only that, but it's in the future, because I believe the time date was 2077. Yes. Um, not, not in the super
0: distant future, but in the
1: distant future. Right. In the not too distant future. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, so yeah, but we don't even start off from there, but we get there regardless. So uh, it starts off with um, a, a, what seems to be an, an Earth-based se- uh, sequence between uh, two ladies out having a, a, a drink at a bar. One of them looks like the um, well, one of them is definitely the the variant Loki. Uh, and in Earth Garb and the other in is the um, is the uh hunter C twenty who was uh had been kidnapped in uh in in previous episodes and they're having a drink together and uh they uh and uh you know and they're talking they're talking about the restaurant being shut down because of uh what whatever reason but then Lo- uh, uh, Lady Loki who I'm just gonna go ahead and call Sylvie uh from from here on, here on out. That's fine. Um, so, Sylvie's is basically trying to get her to um to uh tell her where the timekeepers are, which, you know, as we come to the end of the sequence, uh we come to find out uh, that C20 is like like, "Wait, I've been here before, but I don't know you." Then we come to find out that um yeah, it was it was all a dream or an enchantment, as some would say. Um, exactly. Um and it is also a pretty much a flashback to a scene that we never got to see when um, when C twenty got taken, uh, and um, uh, and where she ended up last last uh, episode, which was the right. Last scene this star,
0: right? I was going to say this this serves to fill in a small gap in uh, our own timeline of the show, in which uh, uh, this hunter. Or, or this, uh, this, 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 yeah, this hunter, I was going to say Minuteman, but this hunter, yeah. um, uh, basically lets it, uh, uh, lets it be known that she has revealed the location or how to get to the, uh, the timekeepers. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, okay, that happened off camera. Well, now we've seen it on camera.
1: Exactly. And it was during this illusion to where we find, find this out at, um, uh, we found this out. So um let's see, so yeah, we found out this illusion and that uh Lady Loki was was, you know, trying to find out whether whether uh whether whether uh, where the timekeepers are and then she kinda looks off at the cameras cause they're still cause it's cuts back to the superstore the in the the on superstore and sees Loki and B twenty uh coming after them and then it cuts to credits. Um then it the catches the, the, the action then moves to the present time or you know whatever you want to call it to um, Sylvie ending up because at the end of the last episode Sylvie and um, Sylvie and Loki ended up going through one of the time doors she had set off a bunch of time bombs which we don't really get anything about into that And I mean not set up a door but she um, well I guess she, she did kind of set off some time bombs because they, they, they all end up going to different points of uh, points in time and place and yeah, and that's where we found out last episode of you know all the, the places where they were going that were not just earthly. So, so we use the time to teleport into the TVA uh, episode, the, the headquarters. Uh, she gets into a fight with uh, some guards, and uh, you know a little another kind of halfway hallway scene, you might say, you know right. the likes of which we've gotten from the Netflix store, but not quite as in depth let's just say um but yeah so she goes off to find these elevators to that supposedly lead her to the time uh, keepers loki uh, also comes through the door and f- about a minute or so later and and um chases her down um <clears throat> then they end up getting into well yeah the, the, she gets into the fight with the Minutemen. Uh, and she takes care of them. Then Loki turns around. Loki's there. And they kind of square off on each other. Um, uh, and then for um,
0: anyone asking for action,
1: this is a pretty much the action
0: that we're going to get. This is the bulk of the action that we've gotten, I think, to date in this show, yeah. where the two, where, where Loki and Sylvie are facing off, dagger versus sword. So daggers versus sword. So. Um, at that point, you know, we've gotten a little dose of action, but, uh, Ravonna Renslayer decides to stick her nose into their business, and uh, the, the Loki and, all, I was about to say, the Loki and, and the variant, or Loki and Sylvie, decide to, uh, beat a hasty retreat.
1: Well, yeah, basically what happened was, uh, so yeah, Ravana comes through, and you were right, it was one of the same sticks. I thought it was like a katana or something, or like a, um, or something, but it was one of those same yeah, batons.
0: Yeah, I was about to say well, one of those cattle prods. I basically. hate to,
1: you know, I, I, mean, <laughs> I hate yeah. to, you know, the uh, uh,
0: cat to to describe it so casually, but that's essentially what they are.
1: Right, but hers just looks a little bit different, like differently colored than than everybody else's, is quite naturally because she's like kind of uh, <laughs> ahead of things. But um, so yeah, so she comes up and then and and um and uh, Sylvie basically looks like she's holding uh Loki hostage. <laughs> and to my, I'll kill him she's like go ahead Ravana's like go ahead and then Loki takes the time pad and, and whisked them away to another place which we come to find out to be uh, limited, three, uh, limited one in the year 2077 um uh which is in the midst of its own apocalypse because so I, I'm not it was not said during the course of the episode as to uh it was it was said what the apocalypse was, but it wasn't said what planet or moon. Um, that was. Which, by the way, I'm just gonna go ahead and say this now before I forget that me the moon that is crashing, that is uh breaking apart and crashing into, kind of looks like it had a face on it, and not eco. Mm. But it did look like it had a like a a, a face on it because every time shot they had of it, it was just like like looked like two eyes and a long face, and especially at the end. But anyway, um, so you know. Sylvie. i'll have
0: to go back and take a look at that
1: yeah it, it's kind of weird looking um or you know maybe not so yeah so they so loki and uh, sylvie fight again for a little bit until the meteor start crashing through the building where they are and that's when they find out you know where they are and when they are uh and they also come to find out that they don't have a lot of power left in the or any power left in the tim pad so they can't um they can't pour it away uh, so they have to, so this is pretty much the conceit to where that keeps them on this planet and basically ends up having them work together after a lot of dialogue, um, which is, which is not bad. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Cause you know, I, I was not expecting anything less than Loki show from, for this, but, um, so yeah, so they fight for a little bit. The thing happens, They Loki calls a truce, he gets rid of the temp pad temporarily um so they can get out of it so they pretty much have both ideas of, of do, what to do certain things um they end up coming across a woman who is in this uh house and apparently she's she's sitting there by himself or by herself um while everything is you know all, all these meteors are going off around us So apparently she's not going anywhere um and she, and Sylvie decides to crash into place and when she gets hit with his pulse rifle or or or, or way, something like um uh because you know obviously Loki and Sylvie have different ways of approaching situations you know Sylvie's way is pretty much just blunt hitting things or or just running into things and and Loki's a little more um discreet I guess I don't know in, in some ways even that Loki of that point, which is kinda of interesting. But um but her way doesn't work, his way doesn't work, but they end up finding out that um there is a train not unlike the one in Snowpiercer, um, that is taking people away uh to um a to a ship that is take that will take them off planet. Um but Sylvie already pretty much knows that no one no one gets off of this place which that'll come up in a little bit. Um, so Loki and Sylvie end up going to this where the train is. They uh, try to they Loki comes up with a plan to get them on board by impersonating a, a guard and taking uh you know, and taking Sylvie um prisoner, which almost works itself with the fact that the guard at the at the train was like, Hey, where's your paper still? Then Sylvie jumps in and possesses a or enchants them. And they get on right. board, um, and again, and there were, and we also get another kind of a, a snowpiercer type thing because someone before they get on is like, "You're only uh, letting the wealthy on," which I believe was a thing that happened in Snowpiercer, or the 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 rich get treated a little bit better than the people in the back of the as the farther back you go into the train.
0: I was about to say, which is different how from real life, but anyway, yeah, I mean, um, that's also true. But I, I mean, it right. seemed I mean, I like they were. Saw the... I was just going to say, I definitely saw the parallels to Snowpiercer, you know, with the train—at mm-hmm. least for the brief time that we actually deal with the train in this episode.
1: Exactly. So they're on board and they start—they uh, start talking um, in the dining car uh, about their prospective families and a few other things. Uh, we come to find out that. Um, uh, Sylvie, know, Sylvie knew already that she was adopted. You know, there was a couple of things that kind of came out here, but the, the, like the, the bigger things were like Sylvie already knew she was adopted, and uh, you know they were basically comparing notes about their mother. Sylvie also makes a um, a Star Wars kind of—I re- feel like it was a Star Wars reference, but I don't know because she because uh, Loki asked her about what he rem- what she remembers about her mother. And she basically said like bits kind of in a dream, which reminded me of uh, Leia at, at the near the end of Return of the, or in the middle of Return of the Jedi, when she says like yeah, I don't know, it's basically just a, just a dream mostly. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I'm, I've seen other people also making comparisons to that. Um, okay, yeah, but that's but that was when I, when I when I watched it, that was kind of the first thing I thought. I was like, yeah, sure, that's why not <laughs> synergy. Um, I was about to say, it could
0: be Brian and Dom in Fast Five, talking about their fathers. But um, but yeah, cool I definitely, you them. know, I'd have to think more about, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Jedi, so. Right. Gosh, I can't even, now that I think about it, I can't even call it Jedi now, because there's two Jedi, uh, you know, two movies with the uh word Jedi in their titles now. So That's correct. So <laughs> so that I'm talking about return of the Jedi, the first one people.
1: Mm-hmm. And not last Jedi. Um which yeah. Exactly. Alright, All anyway, so um Uh
0: where uh, are we? Yes. You know, there's a discussion about uh you know their their backgrounds as, as Roddy Cap mentioned their backgrounds their families their love lives which is part of you know one one thing that came up in the news this week which to me wasn't a surprising i guess because it's not because it's not something that's exactly news to people who keep up with the comics and let's not say just people who read the comics but people right. who keep up with the comics mm-hmm. there's a difference and um you know uh uh, what call it's It's revealed that both Sylvie and um, and, and, and Loki decide to uh, you know uh, maybe uh, what's the what's the the vernacular may swing both ways may maybe switch hitters yes
1: and it is, uh, yeah, it has been it was made it was made uh, it was alluded to that they were fluid in and their um in exactly. Their, um,
0: in their, yeah, in their discussion. In their so, relationships. Uh, and, and this made, right, and this made a big, you know, kerfuffle online and whatever. These people are stupid. But um, at the end of the day, Sylvie, uh, you know, passes out, takes a nap, and uh, wakes up to find Loki leading the bar in a drinking song, and he's clearly drunk. And I'll tell you, this drinking song reminded me of... He's not drunk. He's full, <laughs>
1: as <Right>. he says. All
0: <laughs> right. The drinking song reminded me of uh, even in tone and in the tune itself made me think of, I forget which which edition,
1: which movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy it was. So funny you should mention that because of the, the Easter egg video I saw actually alluded to, to that and it was, I believe it was Pippin. Uh, leading right. folks in song well,
0: and um, well, Mary and Pippin, right? Marion yeah. Pippin are,
1: are dancing on the table.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know that's the, that's the scene that I, that that, that uh, is referenced, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it just sounded like. It just sounded like, especially when there's a part of there's a part of the. Uh, the actually, no, I, I guess the whole song. You right. know, there's a part of the song where 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 Loki switches into uh, Asgardian. Get mm-hmm. quiet. And then there's the refrain which is in English right. and it just sounded so much like it was something that that Mary and Pippin would be singing
1: at a bar mm-hmm. you know you know uh, uh in the shire. Yeah, totally. So, totally. Or I believe but, it was at the that bar they ended up in in was it fellowship? Cuz I think that's the only time they were ever in in some sort of a bar establishment.
0: Oh, you know what? No, you know what it is cuz I don't want to confuse, uh, you know, because they end up in a bar in the Shire at the end. Do
1: they? Right okay.
0: in the third movie, but it's at the very, very end. Right. right, it's one of the long goodbyes. Um, you know, when Sam goes to uh, when Sam goes to the bar lady to uh, ask her out. Oh, right. But uh, what you're referring to is correct. I believe you are right. They're in that the the inn mm-hmm. when they first meet uh, Strider slash um, Aragorn. Yeah. Uh, Aragorn. Mm -hmm. i think i think you're right that's where the drinking song comes out pretty sure so um but anyway you know as uh uh as, as sylvie tries to convince loki that he's drawing undue attention to himself uh it turns out that she's right and the security guards are onto them and uh essentially they they uh you know they 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 break out into a scuffle but ultimately get thrown from the train out through uh, a broken window right and unfortunately what happens uh once they get thrown through the windows or go through the windows to escape this uh you know this this little uh scuffle is that uh bad things happen to the temp pad that they were on their way to try to recharge
1: right so according to this article i'm looking at as just kind of a, just kind of a you know, as as a refresher overview, because not like I, I mean, I did watch this morning, but nevertheless, it says that uh, Loki got last crusaded out of the train window. It's like, and I don't remember last crusade that much to remember there being a train fight to where somebody got thrown out like that. Um, And then Sylvie kind of dives after her because she she remembers that he has a tempad hidden somewhere. And yeah, like Agent 70 said, the tempad gets broken up, uh, apparently broken up um, due to this fallout of the train uh throw lucky from the train coming to you this fall anyway um so yeah they I just uh, so- say that's an 80s reference kids yes exactly um so yeah so the tin bath gets broken up uh, uh Sophie's pretty upset pretty much upset uh but then he comes up in, with an idea to hijack the arc which pretty much makes me think of uh transformers um yeah which I think that's where the train was going in the first place, right? So they was, so it was like yeah they were
0: fortunate right they were fortunate to take the train most of the way right. because they end up having to uh, go on foot the
1: rest of the way but they do in fact make it to the arc before it takes off right with with like five minutes to spare uh, to the to the town where uh, um where uh where it's going to take off. And and it's also just as um, the 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 moon or planet or whatever that's uh that's that's breaking apart that's crashing into this uh, moon planet colony um, starts to just really get crazy. So right,
0: I was about uh, to say just before though, while they're walking, <laughs> talk about talk about a a, a fellowship. Uh, of the ring reference, right? While they're walking. Um, Sylvie tells Loki about how she enchants, entering the mind of the target and keeping a hold by encapsulating one yes. of their memories. She reveals that C20, the uh, the Minuteman slash Hunter that she was talking to early, that she was dealing with earlier, was actually a plain Jane Earthling before joining the TVA, which comes as a surprise to both Loki and we, the audience. Right. It turns is- out that all the TVA members were not created by the timekeepers, as was uh, told to us by Owen Wilson's Mobius, mm-hmm. but actually, actually,
1: <laughs> variants themselves. Yep. Which was a theory going into this uh, from a couple of places, and that they were apparently those places are right. <laughs> so. Uh, that yeah, so yeah, we find out that so that's the other big revelation of the of the um, of the episode was that yeah, everybody everybody in the TVA are variants from presumably Earth, um, which now if you think
0: about, I was about it, to say wait no, I was about to say don't say presumably Earth because we have seen alien hunters, um, I think have we? I don't remember. Uh, who's, I think who's... so. I I want to say the one that brought in the Peggy Carter look alike wasn't human.
1: You know what? Yeah, and then people have brought that back up too, and I totally forgot about that. I meant to go back and uh, look at that scene because I didn't remember what they looked um, like. I'm just going off of memory, right? So I don't, I don't know, if, yeah. But if that being the case, then that is, um, then that is that. But for the most part, for the most of the people we have seen in the TVA have been humanoid, right? Um, uh, and and I guess what I was about to say was that. Uh, now it makes sense where the where the Owen Wilson character is uh, kind of uh, waxing uh, poetically about jet skis, because I know there was a theory that well maybe that's where he got pulled off from was from the nineties or something, right? So, but that is yet to be um, you know that is yet to be seen or or found out yet because like I said this is pretty much one of the last things we found out before. Um, uh, the end of the episode and, um, like I said, the, the, the planet that's breaking up that's causing this uh, catastrophe pretty much uh, makes it, well, it blows up the, uh, I mean, it, the, the meteor pretty much goes through the uh, the arc, which was supposed to take off in less than uh, a minute or two, where uh, Loki and Sylvie were trying to run to and getting chased by guards and whatnot through the city. Although chase, I don't know if it was the right word because it seemed like they were kind of either going around in circles or just kind of you know they, they were going around, uh, but they just kind of went around the corner a couple of different times and and then happened to see the art get uh, cut in half by the by the by this uh, meteor and pretty much everybody stops uh, stops what they're doing when they're seeing when they see this um, and. L- Sylvie just kind of turns around and walks walks back the other way and Loki's just kind of standing there looking at it and that's pretty much where um where um where this uh, episode ends so yeah it was pretty much you know it was pretty much that um um a pretty good exposition heavy episode with a little bit of action, action to do because I know there have been people who are um looking for more action in this and are not really you know we're not really into have not been into loki so far because of the lack of action which we said before so i need to go back on that was still kind of silly to me but whatever well Um, it's definitely silly simply because of the nature of the character right and i think the nature of the
0: character dictates at least a little bit you know obviously we're getting thrown curveballs here and there and everywhere but at least the nature of the character dictates that we're not going to get like the biggest action heavy show here um, in this in this instance. It's it's definitely going to play a lot more like WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in that, um, you know, the action was few and far in between. Right. In this case, I think uh, we we got a lot, you know, and it's ironic because this is, I believe, the shortest episode so far We actually got a lot of uh, explanations and we got a lot of reveals here in terms of what is actually, um, you know, what what the endgame may be in this show and what, you know, and and how these plans that uh, both Sylvie and Loki are trying to uh, follow through on, how they may end up uh, going forward. Because we actually have reached the halfway point of the show. You know, we have three more episodes to go, so we will see. What in fact is going to happen in the probably the next episode and a half to up to two episodes to really get us to the point where you know we get to episode six and we're like, okay, we've hit this point, let's see, you know, let's see where we've come with this character and whether or not Loki has a future in the MCU, right?
1: Right, um. Oh thank you by the way um so we have people watching on twitch and uh apparently we got raided by a, a friend of mine uh so shout out to key Soul three for for the raid and welcome to um welcome to the uh show um I didn't see this until just just now and and shout out to kk my friend uh so thank you if anybody's still uh, around here from uh keys um, Keys uh Ray, this is the Combook Chronicles where we record every week in the Combook uh podcast. We talk about the comics of the week and um also spoiling Loki for, for this right. week. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes. Um so thank you uh everybody for coming through there. But yes, so to finish off the the, the Loki um the Loki recap. Um there was a couple of things that I actually enjoyed about this. So, so I think you did allude to the fact that there was a... Did you mention the, the Thor moment while the, um, Loki was getting drunk?
0: No. Yeah. No, I, I, I got a kick out of that, too. Yeah,
1: that, that was pretty cool. So, you know, so, so Loki, as he was, um, you know, finishing off whatever he was drinking, he smashes the, uh, smashes the glass to the ground and says, More! Just like Thor did in the first one. No, oh, no, no, no. Not more. Another! Another. Yes, you're right you're right
0: another so 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 basically confirming what thor said which is how uh which is how apparently as guardians or at least the as guardians in the royal hall
1: of uh, uh of odin behave when they like something and want more of exactly. it exactly <laughs> except this time uh loki didn't get chastised for it as in as uh, as thor did when um, exactly when he did it um but um, but also apparently while they was fighting, uh, Loki uh, not Loki Sylvie used her her <clears throat> tiara or whatever to stab a dude, and I think somebody made a uh, mention of that was kind of like uh, what Loki did in, in Ragnarok at one point. So, okay, you know, yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I don't remember, but okay, oh, that's great. I, I didn't either until I, until they that I brought that up. I was like, oh yeah, that did kind of happen on the Rainbow Bridge, but you know, I was like, okay, cool. But yeah, so there were some nice little touches in this episode, like I said. And oh, the analogy of uh uh when they were talking about love being a dagger, and that made me think about okay, they're trying to trying to make a um <clears throat> trying to make a, a Wandavision um uh, not a reference, but uh they're they're basically trying to do like have a poignant moment like um like Wandavision did, but apparently it you know uh, so we was like that's that 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 analogy's no good. what are you doing <laughs> so I was like I thought it was kind of going somewhere. I was like, all right, until he got to the end of it It was like yeah that was that was not a terrible analogy but um but it but it feels like it kind of harkened back to what they what they did with um with vision 's little speech near the end of um uh of uh one division so ultimately, like i said we'll uh, we got uh, until next week. Uh, we got a, we got another week to go uh, until another episode of Loki happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad one. Oh, well, I mean, it, what it does is it serves to develop
0: the story. It's just that it just took, it personally took me a second to, to sit back and be like, oh, okay, so I see how it's being developed. Mm-hmm. But it definitely felt like and and, and I, I don't think I'm the only person that's put this out onto the internets, but uh, it definitely felt like, you know, we got we got we kind of got cut off. Was like, is that it? That's it? Okay. Right. And definitely sat around to see if there was a post credit because because
1: of it being halfway through. Right. Yeah, honestly, I expected um, halfway expected there to be a post credit in this one for some reason. But that uh, that did not happen, um, and I'm kind of wondering if we're actually going to get a, a post-credit sequence at, at any point. Then here, like
0: maybe if if we do, it's more. If the, it's, like, yeah, it may be at the very end. Right, maybe at the very very end. Um, I actually did read something that you know, and we can move on right after this. But yes. uh, I did read something that it seemed more evident in this episode than in any other episode, uh the the COVID protocols being in effect where it seemed like everyone other than maybe Sylvie and Loki were really standing far apart from each other.
1: Yeah. Well, with the exception of that line of people um that were waiting for that's the train, a but... perspective I was about to say that can be a perspective uh a trick because they're standing online.
0: Right, so but they could be actually very close they're not uh they could actually be be distant from
1: each other, but just standing because you know because of the staggering well, but, yeah, but uh, we do see a side shot of when 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 loki's trying uh escorting Silver, so, but you're still right though, so
0: yeah yeah i mean i you know I, I guess what I was thinking where i where I personally noticed it was in the bar,
1: yes, because the bar seemed rather rather empty for yeah it seems to be very far for apart. Right. So
0: that that was really wh- that's that's really where I noticed it. Yeah, I, I thought about that too, but it, but you know it was kind of yeah, not that big a deal at all. It was just right. something that I noticed in
1: passing. So. Mm-hmm. So that being said, folks, that was the recap of Loki uh, episode three. We are now going to push on to talk about some comic books of the week.
0: All righty, and uh, first up, as uh, we agreed to this earlier, first up is going to be. Heroes Return number one. We have reached the culmination of Jason Aaron's tribute to Heroes Reborn, and Heroes Return. But obviously, we, uh, you know, it's a it's a twist on the concept of uh, the original Heroes Reborn and Heroes Return. Uh, this issue is written by Jason Aaron. Penciled by Ed McGuinness, with inks by Mark Morales, and colored by Matthew Wilson. Letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So this is the slobber knocker that we've all been waiting for between uh, the Squadron Supreme of America and the reawakened, not not necessarily reincarnated, but definitely reawakened Avengers. It's interesting to me that certain avengers remained under the thrall and you know obviously spoilers here in folks um you know i'm gonna ring the bell but you know we'll try not to get too deep but i'm gonna ring the bell anyway Mm -hmm. so in three two one so it's revealed he it was revealed at the end of uh Heroes Reborn, that uh, Phil Coulson, with the aid of a hell-powered version of the Cosmic Cube called the Helahedron, good lord, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, basically used that power to remake the world, not in his image, but to his liking. Yes. And, and it's described in this issue that he Kept a lot of things, but definitely changed a lot of things, especially uh, re- basically removing the Avengers from all of history and reality, uh, making it so that they had ne- so that they never formed, and in their place, uh, the Squadron Supreme of America uh, became the prominent heroes of the world. You know, essentially creating uh, a DC universe and the Marvel universe, and because that's essentially how it it played out, but. Uh, with the squadron being much less benevolent and being uh, far more nationalistic in this iteration, uh, you know what we find is, you know, in this in, in this issue that, uh, uh, as I said, not every Avenger has been uh, freed from uh, the thrall, and I found that kind of curious um, uh, at the beginning of the issue. Mm-hmm. Because I guess they couldn't find Carol. Because I guess she was too close to
1: Colson? Um, I well, yeah, because we see where Carol is, right? But I'm so I'm speaking but, exactly, yes, I'm speaking yes. specifically of the Avengers, exactly. Uh, and um, hey newbie, how you doing? Um, good to see you. Um, but yes, yes, we Carol definitely uh, is is still under the, the thrall. Of the world, and um, we don't see. Well, I think we got alluded to that. She Hulk never became She Hulk, or something, right? Something along those lines. Yeah, uh, a few episodes back. So that's why. Oh, it's a few issues back. So that's why we don't see um, her prominently. But they pretty much got the the main hitters and and the most of the people that um that uh, Blade ended up ended up finding you know, for whatever reason that uh, Aaron chose to to make these are the ones, which I guess makes sense, because, you know, you got the, you know, Thor, Iron Man, Cap, um, Black Panther.
0: Well, they actually, I was about to say, they actually don't get Iron Man. You know, not for this, you know, not for the, not for the big battle. They actually don't have Iron Man for the battle.
1: All right, what am I thinking of? Oh, no, I'm thinking, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm thinking of a totally different book that I read also this week, that, from last week. So, never mind. Um... But yes, you're right. So it's basically um, Black Panther, Cap, uh, Blade, Thor, um, and the Star Brand, and, and the Phoenix. Star brand. Yes, and Phoenix. Yes.
0: I mean, it's a pretty you know we're, we're not talking slouches here, which oh, yeah. is one you know one aspect of this current run of Avengers is that you know much like Hickman's Avengers, uh, Aaron's Avengers are you know some you know is is an example of one of the most powerful. Uh, uh groups of avengers ever you know literally you know uh putting together some of these like world beating powers together right you know it's not the first time that uh, the Star Brand has been uh, uh on the avengers roster this is true this, but, this uh, is true uh, you know it's uh, you know but but in any event you know just to, just just to kind of uh, uh make our way through this you know the uh, the slobber knockers are to be had uh throughout this issue and uh ultimately uh things are reverted back uh how it's not completely clear it just seems that uh the starbrand and the phoenix together undo the effects of the uh, the uh the helahedron and um it you know that it's basically relatively cut and dried with a few things remaining that being Um, the the hint of a memory in Hyperion of what happened, Mm -hmm. as well as um, a couple of the Squadron members who I thought, who I I honestly thought existed in the Marvel Universe, the 616 before this, like Blur. I'd have to go back and double check earlier issues of Aaron's Avengers to see if uh, Blur existed back then, because
1: I could have sworn Spectrum and Power Princess did also. Uh, yes, I thought so too. So right. I'm, I'm almost but, fairly certain that's the case. Right,
0: right, but you know, it, it, you know, it could just be our like I always say on this show, it could just be our faulty memory because we find ourselves having to read lots of comics to keep up. Right, you know, Roddy Cat is wont to say that it's our choice to read a lot of comics, but I like to say in order to keep up, we have to read a lot of comics. So mm-hmm. um, the one character who seems to know. That uh, uh every uh, he who seems to have perfect recall of everything that happened is the Batman of the Marvel Universe, that being Nighthawk, no surprise, aka, there. Kyle Richmond, exactly, not a big surprise at all. And uh, Roddy Cat and I were discussing this just before uh, uh, uh we, we came on, uh, the ending of the or, or the the epilogue of the issue. Uh, shows that there isn't just a council of Reeds or a council of Kangs out there in the Marvel Universe now because there are, believe it or not... Actually, I wasn't there a council of Ghost Riders, too? I mean, or something like a, that? Where there was like a, a was staff a bunch in of, this yeah, room?
1: Yeah, there was definitely a bunch of Ghost Riders. I don't believe it. Wasn't that a Jason uh, Aaron riding that? No, I yeah. want to say...
0: No, but that was during this Avengers run, so it's nothing new
1: right well i know but I, I feel like that's something that's also come up before then before oh. this but yeah because i know i have seen in other places where there have been other ghost riders outside of the the main couple that we know had that have shown up i'll put it that way so um including one one issue of moon girl and devil dinosaur where there was a was there was a, a race between a few of them exactly so yeah so there's definitely been a few a, a bunch around so yeah you could safely say that yeah it's a council of Ghost Riders even if it wasn't an actual council mm-hmm. um,
0: so yeah. yeah the multiverse is in full effect throughout the Marvel universe to, to say the least
1: um, I guess I have to say that, um, that it was a pretty this was a pretty good issue um, The the thing that is still weird to me about it is that like Going into this uh re- this new Heroes Reborn, like I said, we still never really got the catalyst of what started in the first place yet. If we're actually still going to get it, but we got, you know, we we definitely know what caused it. We definitely uh got them coming out of it at the uh, at the end of this issue. Um. Uh, but yeah, it's still kind of weird how it how it came to be in the first place, which, you again, we still don't know. Right. Um,
0: And, I mean, we have an idea of how it started, you know, because we know that Mephisto had been dealing with this version of Coulson mm -hmm. for a while now. And it turns out that, you know, and spoiler alert still for this issue, it turns out that Coulson may have become a prisoner of the Helahedron um, at the end of it. And, you know, that that particular element may still be in play going forward uh, because, obviously, the story, you know, the the squadron story is not over. You know, these characters are still in the the, the 616, and we're still dealing with, uh,
1: you know, these characters in some fashion going forward. Right. And we know that Jason Aaron, um, you know, had basically teased, um, possibly this, honestly, because uh, we're not we're not really sure. Because we knew they were supposed to be an Avengers uh, uh, squadron meet up at some point, because that was kind of a point that Aaron was going to get to, and they kept bringing it back up. And presumably, this is it, unless there's something else that's going to come up after this. I I, I kind of doubt it. Um, but Aaron's kind of teased a lot of things that he's wanted to do in this run, and a lot of them have been. Well, some of them have started to be taken care of, including, I'm going to assume this, um, like I said, whether, whether the squadron comes, comes back up in the, in the manner that um, it seemed alluded to right? Uh, outside of this, then I guess we'll see when, when and or if that happens. Uh, that being said, though, um, yeah, it was cool. Like the the one kind of sad part actually was um, the when um, Spidey and um, Hyperion met up because all right. Was... Oh, right, no problem. Um, I, that he was, uh, we know Hyperion was looking for Peter Parker, uh, which you know, obviously he doesn't know that Spidey's Peter Parker, and um, when he goes to the, the to the Beagle, so but he just so happens to meet up with Spidey, and you know who doesn't who's not aware of the changes. And what happened? Mm-hmm. So, I was like, "Oh, that was kind of sad." Um, but yeah, it was a good issue. Um, where are we going from here? I guess uh, we're we'll getting another World War Hulk. You know? Yeah, I mean that's
0: from you know that's from solicits, right? You know, we've seen we've seen that being hinted at. Uh, that's from solicits. You know, we've seen that for a while. That's obviously in the next issue. Um, you know, World War She Hulk is is about to come into play. Mm-hmm. You know, this is stuff that's gonna that, that that that's a straight out of ramifications that come straight out of
1: the uh, the Phoenix storyline, right? And it's also weird given that last uh, issue of Immortal Hulk, but I guess that's going to they'll, they'll explain that some kind of way, right? It's you
0: know, you know, it, it would appear that the last issue of Immortal Hulk happens before this, maybe, yeah. Like, which would, that's which that's would what it logical. would seem. Right. That's what would seem to be the most logical p- progression or sequence of things. Right. So, but anyway, so so I think we're done with uh, Heroes Return number one. We will move on to the Hellfire Gala, yes. and uh, let me jump to the. I guess uh, I want to double check the the reading sequence here, just so that we don't go completely out of order. Uh, just so that we can keep everyone kind of in the loop,
1: and it's fine. Uh, I only read
0: one of them anyway, so exactly, exactly. I will cover. I will cover the ones that Roddy Cat did not read. That was that. That's that's what I was going to get at. Um, let's see here. I want to say,
1: and for those watching hey, the video folks, version, uh while he's doing that, I would normally have the um, the covers of these. Uh, these these uh, comics uh, while I'm doing that but since uh last couple of weeks uh OBS has been giving me crap about it. Right. Though I know there's so, an update about it. I mean there's an update that should have fixed that. We we've been a little um a little cautious.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So uh so first up is Wolverine number 13 and just allow me to get to the credits page for this Wolverine book. Mhm. And I will let everyone
1: know. And by the way, we are not on this it's the written video. By, what, what's that? I was am just telling the people why you were doing that. If you're not watching the video version, you should check it out sometimes because sometimes we show, you know, we show some things that uh, might be neat to see. There you go. Right. And not just racist. Right.
0: Uh Wolverine number thirteen mm-hmm. is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Scott Eaton. Uh Inks by Oren Jr., colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, in this latest installment, we follow up on the story that took place in uh, the X Force chapter of the Hellfire Gala, which involved the uh, the, the the corruption of the Terra Verde uh, Floronics. Uh, uh, program that the beast had implanted in, into them. This is all, uh, going back to you know, these are all storylines that were, uh, happening in earlier issues of X Force and now have culminated in, uh, you know, th- uh, this coming to pass or uh, all this stuff coming to the forefront during the Hellfire Gala. Basically, uh, this programming going awry. Um, it looks like. It looks like uh, I believe it's Christian, uh, Emma Frost's brother. Something happens to him in you know offshore while all this stuff is happening. Uh, but meanwhile, the uh, the the Terra Verde uh, attack on the Hellfire Gala is put down pretty much in short order with what seems to be the timely intervention of one Deadpool, who was most definitely not invited to the Hellfire Gala. Um, and, and and ultimately, uh, the story in Wolverine, as I said earlier, just basically carries the story of X-Force forward. It's kind of, um, you know, we don't really uh, get too much of the vampire story, had been so prominent in Wolverine up until now, it's basically just a continuation of the X-Force story. But uh, next up in the reading sequence, uh, and obviously for anyone who is new to the Hickman style of letting everyone know what to read first, there are, um, uh, it's basically a, a menu, a reading list at the end of these books. And so, uh, there is a, a handy dandy reading sequence, and the important books are actually the the books are mainly labeled in black, but the labeled those labeled in red are meant to be um, th- those are highlighted specifically as books that are going to have you know something big happening in them, or some or some form of, some sort of uh, effects that are going to be uh, long felt afterwards. So next up is Sword number six and what's interesting about sword number six is uh you have to bear in mind the creative team behind this because uh it will play a role in another book that comes out that came out this week that roddy cat read kind of out of sequence and we'll mention that
1: when we get to it you want me to do the creative team what's that i'll do the creative team real quick
0: no, no, I've got it. Oh, okay. So, number six is written by Al Ewing, uh, with art by Valerio Skidi, colors by Marte Gracia, uh, letters by VCs Ariana Maher, and uh, let VeratiCat take this away.
1: So, um, this is actually a potential click of the week for me. Um, we... Actually, I need to pull this up, because there was, was something in the... We do because um, I don't want to go on fumes here. So we do end up um after the um after the Hellfire Gala is over and the big revelations from um uh X Men twenty one and what was it? Was it Marauders? Planetized? Planet sized, thank you. Um from last week's Planet Size. Um the revelations from all of that. We see uh, Captain America on the on the shore, just kind of looking off into the distance, uh, where, and uh, we also see party goers uh, leaving after, like I said, the revelations. And I don't know now, uh, if you haven't been keeping up with this, there have been uh, human celebrities uh, writ, uh, drawn into this, uh, into the Hellfire Gala. So, I. think think there are two of them on that second page that i'm not sure who they are uh but i presume there are to be someone if you look at that panel where um where uh garrick and uh guardian uh or is it vindicator i don't know which one it is but regardless you know who i'm talking about uh, yes James definitely Husband, hudson uh, i want to say talking. that the the that the
0: gentleman with the uh the, the bald gentleman with the hair around the sides mm-hmm is a comedian um he is um i believe
1: that scott adds it okay i'll take your word for it and i don't <clears> know <throat> who the lady on the other side of that is but not ch- yeah but regardless um we see like I said, caps all staring off in the distance after after um hearing and seeing what what's been going on uh dr doom kind of runs up on him and actually uh, not runs up on him but just kind of walks up on him asks him for his thoughts um which is this is probably the most civil i have ever uh seen cap and doom ever talk now that i think about it probably possibly ever uh, so it's kind of uh interesting but um and we couldn't find of out that doom seems to have a little bit more respect for for captain than what he's led on all these years but you know it's you know, it always also depends on who's writing him. Um, exactly. exactly. So, um, so yeah, coming into this, they talk and, and um, uh, Cap brings up a memory of right after he uh, comes out of the ice and, you know, the, the, the stuff that Tony showed them. And he's basically kind of given his, given his concerns in the course, in the course of a, um, of a memory that he has. And, um, and Dooms is like, you're scared? Like, no, I'm not scared. You just thought, you know, he was just hopeful that, you know, all of the advances that they were making that, that, the that the records have now made would be made by pretty much everybody on earth together. Um, uh, and then, um, and Doom. I like doom makes a promise at the end of this saying that, hey, you know, you're gonna need me at some point. Uh and when that time comes, which I got a feeling is probably gonna be sooner rather than later from what we know coming up. Um he's basically saying, I'm not I'm not gonna make a a gala performance out of it and then he just kinda, you know, goes off like in, in the most doom fashion, you know, through a portal. Um and then we cut to um well, not to get away the whole thing, but basically, um, we after the the Gallows Over the and the Revelations of because we found out that the um, the uh, Krakoans have terraformed Mars, renamed it uh, Planet Krakoa or Planet Arako, excuse me, um, and they're basically trying to make themselves a galactic presence. So we see Albert Gilbrand and Frenzy talking to a um, um, a group of uh, Council folk. From different worlds, or accounts are made out of uh, folks from different worlds, uh, explaining, you know, what they want out of it, and this, this is also where the Mysterium comes in because we saw uh, a few issues back, um, Sword so going to look for this um, this uh, material called Mysterium, and here is where we find out what the deal is on that. So they're basically, so this is basically the Kukroans making a galactic play for themselves and we also find out who is who is apparently the i don't know if she's the ruler but she's definitely as she says, as she says the voice of uh planet rock or the voice of soul or the, or the voice of planet Rocco. and we wasn't really sh- we weren't really sure well actually until now i didn't even know if they even had such a thing until um this this uh came up to be a thing but apparently storm's got a um got a bigger role now
0: Yes, this is the role that they have been, well, at least this is the point, this is the place that they have been teasing she would go uh, because of her, I guess, being, uh, you know, uh, uh, feeling out of place with the marauders looking for something new and different to do. Mm -hmm. And the definition of regent, thanks to Google Dictionary. Is a person appointed to administer a country because the monarch monarch is a minor or is absent or incapacitated? Right. At the end of the day, it's just someone who's not a king. You know, it's just someone who's in charge. It's an administrator, not elected, right? But definitely, you know, someone who's put in charge. And uh, it's interesting that they would appoint Storm uh, to do this because I, you know, is it because they're looking for more sales on sword? <laughs>
1: I, I guess if we're looking for an in-universe reason, like she's been a queen, she's been a goddess. So
0: right, I'm not exactly. I'm not thinking that. I'm right. thinking
1: practically. I mean, yeah, and yeah, that could very well be the case. We're we're not really sure, but that sounds probably as plausible as anything else. But we also yeah. don't know how prominent that's going to be in the pages of this, though. So,
0: well, they you know, they decided to write her out of one book to put her into another. That's really my. That's really that. That's really my thinking. Sure. You know because she's obviously one of the most regal and most commanding like literally commanding presences in the x men that's why all that stuff that you said was superfluous because like she's literally one of the x men commanders right yeah so you know she's been a queen or whatever, but they're putting her in charge of this mutant planet that makes a ton of sense right but uh putting her into the sword book to do it, I guess you know they need to they need to boost the profile of the book wow. and it helps that they made this. You know, they made this being the center point of mm-hmm. this, uh, I guess, this additional play for uh, the Krakoans, you know, like going out into the universe. Sure. I, that, guess. I guess that's the whole point of the sword book, which mm-hmm. is that it's the, it's the extension of the Krakoan uh, effort to move into space and to create like a, a mutant world and to create a uh, something more than just an island for them to be in charge of. Because if you notice, that's a lot of... Uh, what some of the people have have, have talked about, like uh, uh, Namor, for example, he's like, "You guys have an island. I, I rule the oceans. Right. You know, I rule, you right. know, the vast majority of this uh, of this world. Who are you to me? Why why do you matter to me? Well, wow, now they have, they have, a, have planet. a planet, right? So you know, it's it, I guess it's it's all been part of this particular uh, sequence of things that's been uh, moving.
1: You know that that they've been moving towards that uh, Hickman's been moving towards." Mm-hmm yeah so there, there's this whole bigger place for the galaxy and now and I, it is also worth mentioning That's like sure that's, it still could be the case that they're they uh, they are trying to raise the profile of this book by doing that I, I still don't think that's as bigger especially when like yes she'll probably show up here more than any other uh, uh, any other of the X-Bix but at the same time the way they write these books people kind of move between books all the time so it's not like that she probably won't be anywhere else at any other time. It's just uh, she'll probably may possibly be more prominent here than not anywhere else. But we will see. Like I said, we don't know. We don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, but oh, we also have we also have a little bit of an epilogue at the end of the book. Yes, that is also correct, um, which I thought was kind of touching because I wasn't because they have been kind of teasing something and, and it still didn't make any sense of where they were going with it. So the the um the the I guess the scene at the end of the book is between um, Magnus, aka Magneto, and one Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch, who apparently was invited by Magnus to the Hellfire uh, Gala, but she, you know, didn't want to face people because she's at, she's kind of persona non grata uh, with the with the at this purse, I guess.
0: Uh, <laughs> I was about to say. Persona non gratis is, is probably know. an understatement.
1: Yeah. So she's you know, they they call her the undergraded. They they basically do everything Persona but spit Yeah. Yeah, they basically do everything but spit at the ground when they say her name, you know, um when when she's when she's brought up uh, on Krico for some would say obvious <laughs> reasons given that the given the past. Um right. but she does show up. Uh, she's a little sheepish about it, but uh, you know um, she also knows she's uh, she's been called the pretender because she brings that up. But yeah, the, the, the scene is kind of touching because they they talk and um, it still gets it gets brought up again about their you know their not parent or their not uh, relationship at this point because their relationship has gone back and forth where you know she used to, he used to be her do- um her dad her and Pietro's dad. But apparently, at some point, that has, and I think that might have been in her last book, uh, was rendered uh, not the case. Yeah, all the
0: retcons, all the retcons.
1: Yeah, the Wanda Pietro's back. Uh, whole history has just been one retcon after another, just one change after another, and it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. And I, I, I assume they've kind slow slowed down on that. We don't know, but you know, uh, did you decide to look it up like I did, just to, just to refresh your memory? No, or did you? Yeah. I I had a fairly decent knowledge of how it, yeah I I still had a fairly working knowledge of how it went and it's still kind of crazy even if it you know so it was like well yeah okay I
0: literally had to Google it thinking well I thought I knew it
1: and I needed to refresh some uh some of the
0: uh, the empty blank spaces that I had in my knowledge because sure. uh or, or or my memory actually because I I didn't recall ever reading that they had inserted uh the high evolutionary into it. Yes, that was kind of early on. And yeah. say again? I said, yeah, that was kind of earlier, on. But yeah. Well, no, but but then uh, uh, I, I guess they've 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 established it since uh, that uh, that that's probably closer to the case. Right. So.
1: Yeah, and I think that might have also been another one that kind of got cemented in in uh, Wanda's last book. I think it's uh, it's been a couple of years since that book. Um, so, but regardless, the the end results of this one. Uh, of the conversation between uh, Magneto and, and Wanda is basically a that yeah, he uh, he basically says um, that uh, you will you that she will always be his daughter, uh, which was a, and it was a nice touching moment you know even though they are not actually related anymore so it was a nice touch but it's also kind of weird because I feel like Magneto was one of the ones who mentioned the Pretender in a almost derogatory term t- um, tone. Uh, back in the, near the beginning of Dawn of X, Hox or near, well, maybe not Hoxpox, but near the beginning of, uh, Dawn of X. So it's, this scene kind of struck kind of weird, but also still touching. I was about to say that makes a ton of sense, you know, that he would put on that
0: kind of front. Right. To, to maintain, you know, to maintain his legitimacy in the ranks of the 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 the, the quiet Council and the the leadership
1: of Krakoa, yeah. so that makes that makes sense. But I get I get that. Yeah. But like I said, I so this is where we are right now. So even though they are not actually father and daughter, he's he's he is claiming her as he is, whether publicly or well, and that part not publicly, but. You know, to her at the very least. Uh, you know whether anyone else find, um or find out about this and what they do with it going forward, because they mentioned right before the scene the Wanda off situation, um and that's at large for Krakoa, um before going into it because even going in before going into this little last scene, I was like, well, where are they even going to? Because they kept alluding to something, but not really saying, it but not really doing anything about it, and then comes this. Right. So, but yeah. Um, All right.
0: Well, if we're cool. done with that, we can move on to Way of X number three. Yep. Um, Way of X number three is written by Cy Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn, uh, color art by Java Tartaglia, letters by VC's Clayton Cowles. I would actually ask Roddy Cat to pull up his review copy of Way of X number three, if he has it handy, because on the very first page, I'm pretty sure the one celebrity I can spot right away is Jason Manzoukas. Yeah. He's like right there in the first panel. Yep. I think that's him.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So it's funny, you know, uh, we've joked before during the uh, the weeks of the Hellfire Gala that uh, we would definitely appreciate a guide from Marvel showing us where all the celebrities are drawn hmm. so that we can go back and take a look at them, see if we could actually spot them before taking a look at the guide. But um, with regards to this issue, we actually get a little bit of a uh, a reference to... That epilogue, that ending with uh, between uh, the Scarlet Witch and Magneto, in the pages of the early pages of this book, okay. this book is definitely a tangential connection. Has a tangential connection to the Hellfire Gala. The, uh, it's really focused upon uh, drunk Kurt Wagner, uh, you know, going through the Hellfire Gala, and why he's drunk is simply because he's struggling with. Um, you know, some of the concepts that, uh, some of the the quote-unquote higher concepts of living on Krakoa, the three rules, and especially, uh, um, you know, his faith kind of coming into question as a result of the uh, resurrection protocols. Uh, During the course of the issue, we also find out that uh, there are going to be certain characters that are going to be a focus of at least this early story arc or story set of stories in way of x that being uh, legion as well as stacy x has apparently uh, uh, uh come back uh and uh, uh become part of this way of x story uh, if you if you remember she had a pretty infamous introduction in the pages of the 90s x-men right. um and I've talked about this before and there's definitely um, more teasing of this later on in the issue that uh, the specter of the return of spoiler alert onslaught or uh, some version, some version of the uh, psychic aspect of onslaught is going to make an appearance in way of X. And if you are, if you looked at, the solicitations, I believe, for September just came out this week. There is, I believe, a one-shot that references that directly references the onslaught, uh, the the return of onslaught uh, that that's been happening in the
1: pages of Way of X. So, yay, another '90s era event. Um, actually, speaking of uh, Heroes of Born, <laughs> to, to to go on with that, another one that's um... Side exactly. Side of yeah, so also exactly. I'm noticing here that um it looks like the on the second page um or maybe even taking the second it, it kind of references other where Nightcrawler was in uh, at other times of the Hellfire Gather. cuz it does look like um uh, Excalibur where he's talking to uh, Megan and Brian or in how oh, he yeah. found out about that uh, about that little situation uh, right. and he's talking to Kitty uh or Kate, excuse me, and a couple of other people which I'm not sure of. I feel like at least one of these panels, or like you know, we have seen. Elsewhere. Right from different points of view,
0: mm-hmm. exactly. So right, this, yeah, these are actually told from his point of view.
1: Right. So okay, cool, cool. Is there anything else about this issue? Because I like I said that.
0: No, no, pretty quick. I was about to say it's. It, it, there's not too much to it. It's really. It really does not have. Oh, I think this is taboo from the 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 black eyed peas in the the dance page.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you still have your review copy open. Yeah, I do. I'm kind of, so let me see. There's, I think there's on what page three that, um, at the very first panel, like there's somebody out that, that might be Jadina, uh, who's a rapper. I think I'm not sure who that's supposed to be. Um, before when three, huh? Page three, uh, page, is it page three, page five, excuse Um, me, five. Five. Two, three, four, five. Like first panel when um b- uh, before the 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 Brian and Megan panel, there's somebody behind the, the the black dude. Oh, the
0: oh before the Brian and Megan
1: panel. Yeah, in the very first panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think oh, that, you, I think uh, that's um you, that's uh, oh, no star in this. In pink suit. Yeah, I think that's Jadina. Okay.
0: Uh, I'm not that's sure. uh,
1: that's North Star and his and his uh, and his husband. Exactly. That's yeah. yeah. Exactly. That that's who I thought that was. So, yeah. It okay. is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that uh, I think that might be Jadina behind them. I'm not sure. Um, you got me. But outside of that, yeah. But yeah. I was about to say if you just
0: keep flipping forward, you'll see the that dude from the Black Eyed Peas and that dance and the, uh, with suit. the hat.
1: Yeah, and the hat. That's totally him. I guess. Sure. I'll take your word for that one. <laughs>
0: That's totally him.
1: Which makes sense. He's, you know, he's writing a book for Marvel or he was writing a book exactly, for Marvel. Sometimes. Exactly. And, so, and, yeah.
0: Yeah. If there's ever, if there's any reason to actually poke through these books, you know, uh, without really reading them, especially these tangential books, it's that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of poking through to see uh, who, you know, which which celebrities are being drawn into which book. But, um, but, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, there's really not too much of a tie in here um you know it's not that consequential to the uh, the the Gala story. this actually does more to um
1: forward and advance the uh the way of x story thus far right and apparently a possibly a budding romance uh at the end of it <laughs> we'll see i guess we'll
0: see okay. it's hard to it's hard to know but uh, obviously with way of x uh really dealing with the three rules on Krakoa. we all know what the first rule
1: is yes yes
0: and we actually know we actually know that there have been ramifications as a result of the first rule mhm you know in this issue that uh, that uh uh mutants have been procreating but not necessarily choosing to be
1: parents right um also shout out to the disco das disco Dazzle reference The, the so, very so subtle <laughs> disco dazzler reference
0: definitely definitely she goes in between costumes
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: know in 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 this uh
1: in this issue right cool so we can go on then to you hmm. since we got a a kind of of a tie here let's go on to guardians of the galaxy number 15
0: well that's the other al ewing book that i was referring to Mm
1: mm-hmm uh, one of the, yeah, this was, this was a week. This was a kind of a week for Al Ewing because he's got th- what three books out. Um, so yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy number fifteen. While I type this up into the summary, the creative team is script by Al Ewing, art by Juan Fajeri Fri- 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 or Fri- Gary, uh colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, uh, we start off with, um, um, a reference to, um, uh, a, a phrase that is more known in the X corner of the universe, which is, I guess, kind of also fitting, um, because the title of the, the, um, the issue is called uh, hope you survive the experience. And that also <laughs> gets, that also gets referenced uh, a couple of pages in, when uh Star Lord and uh Nova end up going to uh Sword, which we do see them at in Sword, which but we forgot to mention, we are at the very least we you know no we well, see both of them.
0: No, what I was going to say is we were waiting for this issue to mention it because this is where this is what th- this is what I was referring to as how it ties into right um, uh, the, the 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 events of Sword and how Roddy Cat how you read this before reading Sword correct and
1: how it would have been better if you'd read Sword first right but you you wouldn't have known that because the, right. the books don't have a natural tie to themselves outside of the Other than the writer
0: exactly
1: <laughs> other other than the writer but i would
0: also add that the tie now the natural tie is that they're both going to be leading into this crossover
1: yes which, the the last which, uh, annihilation exactly, tie
0: exactly mm-hmm. exactly which which actually starts off here in this issue actually Yes. Uh, you know, the, the, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, we do take a look at solicitation, so we knew that this crossover was happening, and now the the events of the crossover, or the the catalyst of the crossover, as it were, uh, kicks off here uh, at the beginning of the issue where it's been ten days since Ego, the Living Planet, has turned into a big black in, insect-like egg, and it is not the work of
1: Null. Correct so yeah we started this and we see various uh um um guardians basically here watching this event while we get a, a little bit of exposition uh, on where some of the other members of the guardians are so we know moon dragons and uh iron man uh quill and uh nova are in sword which we do see which we end up seeing here also um, while everybody else is pretty much watching this, uh, watching this uh, eggplant hatch.
0: Or- I was about to say, isn't it nice to see little editor's notes say,
2: yes.
0: "Moon Dragon's working on this Korvac business," mm-hmm. and a note that says, "See Iron Man number eight. Oh, that was so good to see.
1: Yeah, they've been weird about that in the last few minutes. Like there was a there was a time probably about a year or so ago, it was like you they were heavy with them, and then they kind of backed off them a little bit, and then they're kind of just like teetering between them in certain places now. Which is, is always good to see, because always, I've always loved seeing little footnotes to kind of like, hey, go back to this thing. You know, whether you choose to do it or not, it's there for you. Right. You know? Because
0: I think ultimately they're dealing with so many different types of timelines. Yes. You know, that that's what it seems like to me where, you know, sometimes the note is
1: timely, sometimes it's not. But also, yeah, with people like us or, you know, uh, who do end up reading a lot of books and happen to see these people in other places and be like, well, wait, so what's the tie frame here? Where does this tie into this advertising, anything? And the fact that they do have like, it's like oh yeah, so they they make it known that, that this person's here, this person's there, you know, and X, Y, Z is, is very good. Because we kind of may already know that these people are elsewhere, but sometimes they don't always say. But regardless... Uh, getting back to this real quick. Like I said, we, we, we find out where pretty much most of the Guardians are. We find out that um that um uh Mantis is getting drawn in. Also they have a ship called the Tenant, which that's definitely a the David Tenet uh reference if there ever was one, I'm pretty certain. Um but then we cut to um Peter Quill and uh, Richard Rider going towards uh Sword uh to the peak, rather. Uh, and they're talking with each other because, you know, they're old friends and they're talking about uh, the revelation that uh, Peter's Peter gives the the team last issue, if I'm not mistaken, uh, before they read sword. Uh, Richard Ryder makes kind of a mixed ass out of himself by trying to strike a, a, a fight with uh, Magneto, which I thought was kind of amazing. I
0: got a kick out of that. Yeah, I did, too. I got a kick out of that. I was like, all right. You know, uh, Richard Ryder is such an old school superhero you know even though uh, he you know having well he's still going through therapy yes you know we kind of we kind of moved away from it but he is still going through it and uh, i i i kind of dug the his issues with you know, I'm tired of making nice with all the bad guys. Right, They're because bad he,
1: guys. right, exactly. Because he's had to to make nice with a, as he says, with a, a, a few bad guys, including recently Doctor Doom and and um,
0: Super uh, Scroll.
1: Super Scroll, yeah, exactly. Like, so, like actually, actually, characters you know uh, who've
0: tried to kill him multiple times. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Uh, but, but I've actually had to make peace with them because of, because of what's going on now. And then the new, the new paradigm, basically. Um, but he sees, uh, Magneto here and, and he's like, that's it. <laughs> he's like the, uh, like one of the, that, that bird from the good feathers on, uh, on Animaniacs who's like, that's it. He's <laughs> Joe just, Pesci. Yeah. He basically. Does, he pulls Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they get into doing thing, but, but what happens after that was actually kind of cool. Cause so, so, um you know brand comes in kind of cools things down peter's just kind of sitting there like i didn't you know what you (laughs) you wouldn't thank me for not trying to escalate things sure whatever uh but brand and quill kind of go off and do the things which we will see which we saw in sword already uh if you depending on which way you've read this um oh yeah and there's also an allusion to the news that we get from S.W.O.R.D. at the beginning of this. But then going from here, we see uh, Magneto and, and Nova kind of talking it out. Which I was like, hey, you know what? This is actually pretty cool. It didn't have, actually have to end up being a, a knockdown, drag out, whatever. But like, they, they they got a couple of hits off of each other. But then just start talking, you know, civilly. And right. uh, it kind of also sends, ends up being a little bit of a therapy for Richard for Rich. Sure. And what's funny is that, you know... I, I, one of the reasons why
0: I really enjoyed the development of Richard Rider's character, and I've been rooting for him ever since Annihilation, mm-hmm. and the, which is which is why I always kind of get a kick out of the fact that we finally got Roddy Cat to read Annihilation, and to appreciate why I appreciate it. Um, this is the Richard Rider we got coming out of Annihilation. You know, like kind of a, a, a someone who's become like a true veteran and has become you know a little bit. A little bit war-weary, but at the same time ready to throw down. Right. And, you know, once he got that whole, I'm tired of making nice with the bad guys thing out of of his system, he actually was able to talk and really kind of relate to Magneto in the weirdest way. Yes. You know, and it's it's really funny that they really... They really had, you know, one of the better conversations I've read in a comic in a while, Mm -hmm. the way the way I guess Al Ewing really had their conversation be not, you know, it's 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 definitely not a condescending tone between someone of, you know, with some form of perceived higher level of rank or power. They really were just kind of having an exchange and that I really appreciated. Right.
1: Um actually it kinda almost like he wrote the um the conversation between cap and Dr Doom in uh sword you would think kinda so you know hey yeah not probably not a coincidence but uh, nevertheless uh going into the end of this book um we get some activity at that uh egg planet hatchling thing, and uh someone hatches. Uh, from it, who has not come to bargain? Let's say, without, yeah. Without that's scrolling. a good way to put it. Yeah. So, and <clears throat> this leads us into the last annihilation, the beginning of the last annihilation. Um.
0: Right, which is another mini event crossover.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not a big event, but it's a mini event.
1: But it's yeah. So Marvel had this thing that said no line wider, no constant line wide events and technically they've been holding true to that but there have been a whole lot more many events in the last few years since they've said that and I part of me kind of wishes they would just let some things just breathe for like a good for a while before they do this like we've pretty much gone out of come out of uh, one event to another even though they, are, they may have been separate events in different parts of the universe but there's been uh, things have been touching various books that we do read from each event, you know, like just back to back to back to back, even if, you know, depending on what, um, you know, what in the universe you've been in the Marvel universe you've been reading. Right. And I suspect this is not going to be any different because we do know that this is an Al Ewing uh, event. So we know Guardians is going to be um, in it, and he's writing Sword, so you know that's going to have something to do with it. He's wrapping up uh, Immortal Hulk, so that's probably not going to die in it. But regardless, and it seems like a more of a space event anyway, so the more spacefaring characters or space-forward characters are going to be in front of this, obviously, because right. it's Annihilation, right. I mean, and that's the space event.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, this last Annihilation event uh, goes through two issues of Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next issue of Sword... And apparently, uh, they're re- uh, is it the relaunch of Cable? Cable Reloaded, number one? Yes, that's correct. For so that, that th- those are the books of this little mini-event. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you
0: know, it makes sense that it's in Guardians, obviously, because yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Guardians is the main space book right now. Makes sense. But now so they're making sword. sword. Right. Right, and now they're making Sword, kind of like the second main space book for Marvel. Right,
1: but for so, the Berkowitz Say again i said but but for the krakowans in, in in that respect but still faithful right. for, for uh, space forward exactly exactly so you know at least you know we we you know we lack a, a
0: a main silver surfer title which was traditionally the main space book uh for the
1: for for the marvel for the marvel line of comics and silver surfer has changed in the last few years so you know or yeah. slightly changed it's uh, you know actually leading into the whole no and um the know the situation actually that exactly. was kind of, see, of the catalyst.
0: Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, we'll see how long that lasts now that the uh what call it now that
1: uh, king and black stuff is over exactly uh that being the case, I guess since we're on an our you and, wait, did you read gamma flight? I did not
0: if you okay. want to discuss it, go ahead, and then we'll probably go into rapid fire,
1: sure, uh, we could do that real quick then, so gamma flight number one uh is the. Miniseries that has come out of uh, Immortal Hulk, uh, dealing with the the, um, the former members of Alpha Flight or Gamma Flight, excuse me. Uh, and the creative team here is so we got written by Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier, uh, art by Ian Medina. Is it Ian Medina, Land Medina? Hold on, I'm out of type. I'm out of type on that one. Uh, but while i 'm doing that uh, land Medina, okay, so yeah, I was right um, color artist Antonio Fabella and lettering by v c s Josebino. so uh, the the main thing to know that um coming out of last week 's uh, immortal hulk where um, which I happened to read right before this thankfully um uh Gamma Flight is on the run, which they kinda already were in the in the pages of Immortal Hulk, uh anyway, because of uh they decided not to work for um Gyrick, who is uh, who was ahead of uh that program. Uh so now they're on the run because of uh events that happened in the uh, last few issues of uh Immortal Hulk. Um and in that particular issue, which kinda leads up to this, um um uh, Flight kinda came in while the Avengers were, were fighting the Hulk and took um uh took um although I think this might take place before that, now that I think about it. Um But there feels like a tie because what happened in that book, they took She Hulk with them when they left the scene. Uh and she's not here, so this probably takes to takes place before that. Um possibly. But regardless so gamma Light's on the run. They're they're looking for tech um, so they could uh, establish their base or establish a new base. I think they've taken up uh, residence in uh, Crusher Creel and Titania's place, which you know is a little cramped. Um, but nevertheless, so they get back there. There was a, there was a little headbutting between uh, Crusher Creel and uh, Leonard Sampson, who is now in the body of Sasquatch. Um, but apparently uh, Puck comes along and kind of smooths over everything, which, you know, Puck uh, is looking to be the leader here. And without giving too much away, there's a, a couple of good um, interactions between uh, Puck and uh, some folks and also Crusher Creole and uh, Titania uh, in this book. And this is pretty much setting them up for what they end up doing at the end of this book and uh trying to go after uh, Gamma Mutates, uh, because we don't know there are some that are still out there. But also, there's a War War Hulk reference that comes up, uh, that comes into play at the end of this book, at the end of this issue. And I assume that's going to be a part of a slightly bigger thing uh, for this uh, miniseries. Like I said, this is the first issue of a uh, five-issue miniseries. And it was actually not bad. I would say, um, you know, it kind of goes away from what's going on in Immortal in, in Hulk proper. But the tie is still there, given, you know, uh, given uh, their involvement in that book. And I think uh, if you're reading Imm- Immortal Hulk and you've liked uh, where they've come in on that, you may want to check this out. I will dare say. Or this may happen directly after immortal hulk you know we
0: still don't know well if it if it is then it's weird because there's still
1: two two issues left in immortal hulk so well uh, oh you're talking about immortal hulk proper yes but i'm talking about the last yeah. issue of, uh, of 47 which came out last week or something, because it's definitely not taking place after that because there's a character that le- that was with them when they left that book that is not in this issue
0: so, and that's well, the reason that, why I'm saying. Well, I mean that I understand, right. but it doesn't. That doesn't necessarily eliminate that possibility.
1: So, yeah. but no, but from what I'm saying, you're saying what I'm thinking. You're saying you're saying after uh, Mortal Hulk like finishes completely, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're right on that. But what I'm saying is yeah, but I'm talking about the the last. Oh movie. yeah,
0: not immediately. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, this definitely does not follow up immediately on the events of that last issue where we last see this group, uh, this Gammafly group in Immortal
1: Hulk. Right. So, but like I said, it's still good to pick up. Um, I think if you, if you are halfway invested in them being in that book, then this is just more of them. And like I said, a couple of nice little uh, interactions between, um, uh, Puck and, uh, Puck and crew and, uh, Titania and Crush Grill.
0: Which, and it's a five-issue limited series, like you mentioned. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not the it's not a gigantic
1: investment. Exactly. You know, you you'll probably get a nice little contained one-and-done story. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like. Unless it's or unless it's something that may or may not feed back into Mojo Hope. But I kind of doubt it because there's only three issues left. But also, if you think about it, the what comes at the end of this, um, um it's kind of a surprise that didn't show up or has not shown up so far in a motor Hulk. But since like I said, we only got a couple of issues left of that. That's in, you know, it, I guess it goes to reason whether it ever will or not, or this is just going to take the place of that. Um, so yeah, that's that. Um, I also, it was kind of funny because every time I've seen, um, uh, Crush grill and, um, and titania together which is always kind of adorable between them it also makes me think that they are pretty much one of the only other couples that have had any uh sustaining power in the marvel universe like we got Reed and sue we got them uh well we got i guess we got ben and alicia now but even then wasn't always it wasn't always them together um but yeah but uh Zuberman and, and Titania, always it's, it's always kind of just been their thing yeah they've held strong for a long time mm-hmm so that being said folks, uh, I believe we are going to go into rapid fire
0: All righty I ain't got time
2: to leave. <laughs>
1: All right, folks. Uh, You, let me see. Whatever you got, because like you said before the show, we don't have that much in common.
0: Yeah, I was about to say the only book I think that we still have in common that we haven't talked about is Robin.
1: Actually, Amazing. I did read Amazing. I forgot to put it down, though. So Amazing Spider-Man, I did actually read. All right. Well, let me me start with that. There's not
0: much to it. Yeah. Uh, It is part three of The Chameleon Conspiracy. It's written by Nick Spencer. And Ed Brisson with pencils by Zay Carlos, Carlos Gomez, and Marcelo Ferreira, uh, inks by Zay Carlos, Carlos Gomez, and Wayne Foucher. colors by Andrew Crossley and Maury Hollowell, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. So we follow up, we we follow up essentially directly from issue number 68, which is where we uh, left off with uh, Teresa Parker meeting up with uh chameleon and the finisher who is essentially the person who um, uh, uh,
1: killed uh, Richard and Mary Parker. Um, is that still presumed? Is that presumably at this point? Because he kind of felt like it. he made it like he was or was not the one like there, I feel like there was some hemming on that point. I don't know. Well, I mean, we, we don't know exactly what's
0: going to be revealed. Right. So, but that's essentially where, you know, that's, that's the, the information that we've had to this point. Uh, we, you know, we, we, uh, we kind of flip to the action where uh, Spidey is trying to uh, rescue his lab partner who is under attack by, um, well, he's not under attack, but he's actually helping uh, uh, the foreigner and a bunch of C and D list Spidey vill- villains. Steal an energy source to help power his um, his, uh, his 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 uh, his device that can tell you know the future, and which is what he was using to uh, to 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 uh, gamble and win money. But unfortunately, uh, he uh, you know lost a bit of money and fell into uh, debt, and now he is being forced to steal this catalyst. And of course, uh, Spidey's lab partner turns on him, which is great. Good for him.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Which I guess is is kind of in the what well, you who who have saw that coming, right? Everybody. Um exactly. So,
0: uh, you know, Spidey has to go to Ned, the re, the newly re- resurfaced Ned Leeds uh for help. And so good, so so. uh uh Yeah, I'm just kind of flipping through this. Oh yeah, so <laughs> Um, you know, the, the the battle, you know, the battle, <laughs> the battle continues. I was about to say, so Frogman apparently has come back from space with, uh, uh, right. with Iron Man. Right. You're muted.
2: Uh,
0: oh, no, I'm not. I were, no, no, you're not muted no, now. No. But yeah, I thought I, I got a kick out of it. I was like, wait, Frogman's back. What happened here? I did someone that. Who, who didn't, who didn't tell editorial they were going to draw Frogman into the scene?
1: No, I mean, it's Frogman who would have noticed, Right outside of (laughs) us right so
0: um, so yeah you know what Roddy Cat was was getting at is uh, the way this issue ends is that there may be some more revelations about Teresa Parker coming up uh, involving the chameleon and the finisher so uh, that is probably going to be coming up in the giant size uh, uh, amazing spidey chameleon conspiracy one shot
1: which, yes, they are still doing those things, but I guess at least it's not a 0.5 issue like they they they're like uh, it's been, it's been kind of been doing through a, a couple of his little mini events here or mini arcs here or a couple of his arcs here
0: right
1: all right,
0: and that's that
1: wait, okay.
0: Oh, you mean you want to talk about the little bit about where uh, the sinister war stuff uh, in the last two pages? Sure. I
1: mean, there's that. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll yeah. Continue. There's just a two-page. Yeah. There's a two-page sinister war tie-in at
1: the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Doc Ock, uh, uh, gets uh, uh, Electro back into the fold, pretty much. Right. And right. I don't know. That's been, a, it's it's been doing an it. ongoing thing over the last several
0: Amazing Spidey issues where. Um, the the forces of the the two sin, the 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 at least the forces from oxide of the sinister war are being reassembled and reformed uh, at you know as as uh, these little backup two page stories right okay we'll read right along righty. next up all right so we covered a whole bunch of these did you read silk I did all right so that's another book that we have in common so silk number four. Uh, I just need a moment to get to the credits. Silk number four is written by Maureen Gu, with art by Takeshi Miyazawa, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Ariana Maher. So this is issue four of the five-issue limited series, so we are um, rapidly coming to the end. This issue, though, had a lot of background for... This uh, saya or saya character who we found out at the end of last issue or or towards the end of last issue is the offspring of one Silvio Manfredi, otherwise known as Silvermane. And I thought it was kind of weird that they made Silvermane look mad young when he was kicking it to uh, 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 saya's father, saya's, you know. no, because
1: they've always portrayed him as being old and wrinkly. No, you said he, when he was kicking it with Seiya's father. No, mother. I Yeah, admit. yeah, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. but, no, but when he was going through the whole flashback. True. Now, and that was another thing, because the way he was speaking also did not feel very Silvermane-like, and maybe I don't remember wh- what he sounded like, or where the, where, how he was um, written to sound like. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, it was kind of amusing the way it was written, you know, the way the because the, he was kind of going through, uh, uh say, his birth and the, and almost going through the process of it. And so it was like, no, nah, that's right. You <laughs> know, like, you don't have to do that. It's, it's fine. Um. Well, I mean, it's been a long time
0: since we heard sil- right. well. You know, heard you know the original. No, the original. What I was gonna say is the 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 non mechanical, like the pre mechanical Silvermane. It's been a long time since we heard that character speak.
1: Well, yeah,
0: sure. When we were kids, you know, back in the day, by the time we saw Silvermane, he was already in armor, and at at some point, he wasn't necessarily
1: speaking with a right mind. Right, but this was, but this was also now Silvermane. Uh, recalling the, the recalling the memory.
0: Well, no, because now I, but but I, you know, thanks to the thanks to the power of the retcon and 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 thanks to the power of um, technology, apparently they've restored most of his function. Mm-hmm. So, I would presume that he speaks a lot like uh, you know uh, an old school
1: uh, New York mobster. Yeah, I guess. Which is he? He is in Amazing Proper, isn't he? Um, with that whole. That whole situation, right? I can't remember.
0: Oh, you mean with the the uh, what's call When they were chasing down the um the tablets, right? Is he in? Is he a part of that? I don't think so. Okay.
1: Anyway, I think
0: so. But in any event, so you know, meanwhile we get um we get uh, uh the uh, the cat god that that Seah had been working with turning on her, and you know that leads to the obvious uh. The obvious future team up you know going at you know going towards the end of the uh going towards the end of this little uh five issue story,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that is where we end up at the end of this issue
1: right, yeah, because uh, say uh say uh, who knows cindy moon so yeah the, I guess it was worth uh worth noting that um Cindy in plancoss was was uh going to meet up with um Going to meet up with somebody, and and it just so happened to be Silvermane, who kind of recounted um, Saya's um, backstory, I guess, basically, because he would know. And then at the end of this, uh, she um, she ends up uh, meeting up with uh, Saya in her room as a Silk, who already, she already knew she it was Silk, right? So there was that, uh, and she was also questioning whether Silvermane knew. Um, which is which was actually kind of interesting, because she didn't think about the fact that whether... Uh, well, no, I guess she did, at this point, did know that Saiyan knew. Um, but she was kind of questioning whether Silvermane knew at this point, which I, we don't think is the case. And then going into the end, like uh, Agent of 70 said. So, yeah, we're, we're going into the last couple of issues of... Um, actually, wait, no, it's, excuse me, the last issue uh, of this miniseries. Correct. It's a five-issue series. Yeah, which is kind of sad, but, you know, hopefully, I think... I. Do we know if Supes coming back for an ongoing or not? I can't remember. Um, it's hard to
0: say. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this before we move on to the next book. Right. The next Miss Marvel book, Miss Marvel of all characters, mm-hmm. right, is literally coming out with another like six issue series. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not an ongoing. It's a six issue series. You know, someone who literally is going to be carrying their own Disney Plus show. That, you know, they're, they're not going to give an ongoing to. We may end up having to really rethink how, how we uh, view characters that have ongoings as opposed to these constant.
1: They're not reboots. They're just mini series, mini series on top of miniseries. And I feel like you that's know? kind of what, yeah, even, even the more quote unquote ongoing series have kind of felt like limited series in a way. Like they're just longer limited series because it's like, yeah, people will do a run and then the book will end. Or, right. or in because of a, a, an event or something like that, but still, it'll like yo. Know, as soon as the person ends the story, boom! Like yeah, that's happened in the past, but they used to like hand off the book as opposed to just ending mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the people just ending in it, then it'll come back later. Now, right? I mean, we'll see what they do with amazing, and that's going to be part of the news later. Exactly, and as well as um, the some Miss Marvel news also. And speaking of uh, in the clickbait station, uh, there is a an interview with the new writer of Miss Marvel if I forget to say that later on so uh when we talk about the news but yeah you can go check that out in the, in the show notes but anyway to finish up to, to the, um, the, uh, the books
0: so next up for me is uh, Infinite Frontier number one and I am constantly looking for the credits page to get um, to get the credits for this story excuse me Wow. I don't see it. So, uh, hmm. I believe it's Joshua Williamson on uh, as the writer. The artist is Hermonico and I believe colors are by Fajardo Jr. If I happen to uh, find the credits page, I will complete the uh, the run through of the credits, but this is the first book in the well, Actually, it's technically the second book because we had an Infinite Frontier 0. Right. But this is the, uh, the the next chapter in setting up the new status quo of the DC multiverse. And it turns out, you know, we find out a lot of things. One, that the vast majority of the populace remembers the events where they were, that is, on the day that all of the multiverses decided to, uh, you know, uh, cease to be in existence. You know, they remember all that stuff happening, which is, you know, a little different from before you know these the uh, previous reboots as in uh, uh you know the, the the first crisis on infinite earths i believe you know took away most people's uh, memories of what was happening and just created a new reality in this case at least we have uh people who still remember what happened and are debating what it, what actually happened and what the heroes are, and are debating whether or not what the heroes are telling them is true um you know, we did uh, find out that there is another league set up to watch over uh, reality. You know, the the uh, the the they, they protect the multiverse, and that's it's led by President Calvin Ellis. Um, and uh, you know, they, they they deal with a crash landed uh, Thomas Wayne Batman. Uh, that you know, he he ended up on um, uh, Calvin Ellis's. Earth, And they transport Thomas Wayne to uh, the House of Heroes, which is, uh, you know, th- th- these are things that have been established uh, previously to this. Mm-hmm. And the Flash is a member of this group, and he is scouting out uh, a mystery world in the multiverse called Earth Omega. And it turns out uh, that one of the bad guys from the original uh, uh, crisis and who has played a role in um, the other crisis uh stories reveals uh himself on uh on this um on this mystery world and uh it is not the anti-monitor or the monitor but it's one of the other characters it's uh it's the character i always think of um it, it wasn't a, a a radio song by cypress hill but it's um it's off of one of the earlier albums mm-hmm. um it, you know I, I always reference that whenever i see this character sure but um but uh, but lastly, we get uh, uh, an update on uh, Roy Harper, who we know is not supposed to be among the land of the living. Right. And that is implied, that is definitely implied, um, that uh, he's not exactly where he's supposed to be at the end of this issue because of the cliffhanger uh, last page.
1: Hmm. Wait, does he start crying like pariah? That's what I, all I need to know. Nope. Does Pariah show up? Nope. Good.
0: It's not Pariah. <laughs> like I said, when I tell, I'll tell Roddy Cat about this later because he'll probably read this, you know, in passing. Oh, for sure. Uh, when I tell him, he'll he'll understand the Cypress Hill reference because, like I said, it's not one of the radio tracks. It's right. definitely off the album, off one of the earlier albums. That is sure. Okay. Uh, next up is Killadelphia Number Fourteen. This is written by Rodney Barnes. I'm uh, scrolling through my review copies to get to the credits page for this. Just allow me a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here we go. Like I said, it's written by Rodney Barnes with art by Jason Sean Alexander and uh, colors by Luis Nickt with letters by Chris Mitten and um yeah things have gone from bad to worse for uh for jimmy um because it's you know he's basically turned into a vampire but uh the plot thickens for uh, abigail adams as as she and the vampire hordes are really making their moves in philadelphia and uh it's going to be pretty difficult for Uh, the remaining humans in Philadelphia and the vampires who are opposing Abigail to uh, try to, uh, to stop her. Um, You know, ultimately what we find at the end of this issue is actually pretty interesting where uh, there seems to be a bit of a spiritual tie in, uh, which isn't a surprise when we're, when we're dealing with vampires. But there seems to be a spiritual tie-in um, in this, uh, uh, you know, in this story. Now, you know, this is a, a slightly new, um, a new development. We'll put it that way. Oh, my apologies. It's actually lettered by Marshall Dillon. The art by Chris Minton is for the backup story, uh, the Elysium Gardens uh, story dealing with uh, werewolves. So that is the proper credit. Well, shucks, but, Marshall. Yes, exactly. Uh for anyone who has not who, who's not familiar with Philadelphia, I think it's worth the read. Um we're a couple of trade paperbacks in now, but we're only on issue 15. It reads pretty quickly. So, um for anyone looking for uh something with a hard tint tinge to it and um you know, there, there's definitely some some uh historical references as well as uh you know obviously the the, the supernatural being woven into the uh, the history of the United States. If you're if that piques your interest, definitely pick this up. It's been a good read. And uh last but not least is a book that I believe Roddy Cat read uh as well. And that is Robin Number Three. It is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikov. Colors by Luis Guerrero and, like, hey, Guerrero. Um, And letters by ALW's... Oh, wow! Look at that! Another lettering studio. It's not VC, it's ALW. Yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) ALW's Troy Pateri is on letters. So we follow up on... um, uh, Robin's uh, resurrection on Lazarus Island and he, uh, at the end of the last issue uh, uh, he is um, well Ravager is basically telling him to try to learn how to chill out because it'll help his fighting style and it sort of works but then um, someone decides to ruin it by
1: talking about how Batman uh, beat up <laughs> beat him up yeah, it basically almost turns into uh, the Batman uh, TAS episode. Uh, almost got him.
0: That's yeah, well, uh, on, yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> but
0: but more so. Um... Which I' call him, but more so, uh uh their experience is getting beat up by Batman, not necessarily their 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 exploits and right. you know, almost getting Batman. It's more like, oh, I saw him do this to this person, and Batman dragged me behind the Batmobile for twenty blocks because he tried <laughs> to stick somebody up in an alley, you know, and you're just like, well, we know why he did that to you, but right. uh but yeah, uh, ultimately, we get uh Connor Hawk and Robin having uh a a discussion there it, some of it ends up being a heart to heart they they kind of learn what ma- what they learn or relate to each other what makes them uh uh w- you know they relate together what they have in common which is more than they probably would ever care to admit
1: right thanks to their but, dads see again so thanks to their dads basically cuz they they pretty it's much compare notes to, to to on their dads and even they even uh, make reference of the the um, the arrow cave and the bat cave, right?
0: The, yeah, and the vehicles that they mm. uh, and, and that they use. So, uh, but but uh, unfortunately, or at least part of the story, um, the League of Shadows show up, and um, uh, it is someone who has a history with uh, Damien as a trainer, and uh, someone who uh, I guess has currently been training. Connor Hawk and that causes uh, Connor Hawk and Robin to come to blows and uh, one of them doesn't exactly get out of it uh, unscathed and this is a mild spoiler but the person that does not come out of it uh, well is rescued by um, another familial relation
1: and that is it for me yeah that was i enjoyed the uh, uh the, the reading this book cuz yeah the whole um they basically set up like yeah the one person who who relates to robin is is pretty much set up to be his rival but also just like uh the conversations in um in, uh in uh sword and um uh i guess guardians you know they, they kind of have a a, a moment with them that's that's pretty nice i'm like oh okay yeah but then it goes into the fighting and yeah what happens after that so uh I, just real quick did you think that batman showed up uh, during the course of this uh issue especially giving that one part that we talked about previously you mean at all yeah no like maybe in hiding like maybe in disguise No, I don't. Or think that so. was just that was just a a framing reference. That was just cuz cause cuz cause at first so when I thought the that was like a hallucination because of the character that shows up at the end. Well, that uh, yeah, well that but I was thinking of when they started talking about um how the Batman, you know, uh, beat him up. The the first person who started talking, there was a shadow and it was the shadow of the bat, you know, which I guess that was probably more um you know, not necessarily 'Cause at first I was looking at I was like, well, is that Batman in the disguise because of that? Or they just or that was just a, a frame of reference, and it probably was just a frame of reference, uh, uh uh there. It was a cool one, but I was like, wait, did Batman just totally just sneak up on this island and is gonna And that's why I went going from that to the end of the book, I was like, Okay, so they just brought Batman into this book. And that ended up not being the case. Right. So
0: Right. I thought it was just a. I thought it was just a a storytelling ploy.
1: Yeah, you know, it just, probably
0: was. You know, because the character is mimicking you know, <laughs> is mimicking the moves that were used upon him. Right. So
1: Yeah, and that and that probably was in upon from reflection that probably was the case. But like I said, going into it, it was like, hmm, huh, is that what that's supposed to be? Because we know he's done that before. You know? Right. So but regardless, yeah, Robin number three was pretty good. Um but for me, uh let's see what we got. Transformers number thirty one um starts off my books uh written by brian ruckley uh, art by anna malkova and angel hernandez colors by david garcia garcia cruz and letters by jake m wood so uh a couple of key points in this issue is that um Ultra Magnus gets called in because this is pretty much after megatron takes over I- iacon and uh, taking over a lot of um this is pretty much setting up the, the still setting up the kind of the great world that we kind of have only heard about uh in passing but have never actually seen um and Optimus has just been you know been made Optimus a couple of issues back so there's that so it starts off with um um gets called in uh to, because they're you know because the autobots are kind of uh out guns so optimus kind of needed some people on his side um uh, but the other side of this is that perceptor is uh doing a test on an autobot who apparently has teleportation powers like skywarp uh and this test goes um gets out of control and has this particular autobot um whom is not one we, we've probably ever seen before, um, kind of gets bouncing all over the place uncontrollably, and I thought it might have been a setup for a new mini series, uh, and it may still be, but I don't. I, I, it, but it's kind of hard to sell coming out of the the um, uh, the end of this book because this also seemingly sets up um, the fact that Transformers have parallel universes based on what happens at the end of this let's just say the transformers multiverse maybe possibly um because even in the midst of it when uh like while while this uh while this autobot uh jump stream was uh was teleporting all over the place uh perceptor had mentioned that yeah i was like i don't know there's a possibility that there's uh you could jump to other realities with the way things are going and sure enough at the end of this we kind of see that potentially happened because either she cuts to a kind of a, well, it's not a days of future past, but an alternate reality or an alternate future. Maybe we don't, we're not entirely certain, uh, as of right now, but that's pretty much where the, the, uh, the issue ends. Um, next book is transformers back to the future. Number four. And this is the last issue of this mini-series, but probably not the last we will see of this uh, crossover. Because, uh, as this is written by the creative team, is uh, Kevin Scott, who's the writer. Art by uh, Juan Samu. Uh, colors by Candace Hahn. And letters by Neil uh, Uyatake. Uh, so, yes. Uh, at the end of last issue... We ended up uh, back in 2015 with Marty and Gerwa and whatever Autobots that were there, including Rodimus Prime. Not Rodimus Prime. Actually, I think it's Hot Rod. About it. I can't remember which one it was. kind of doesn't matter. Um, a new toy presents itself because the Watchtower of uh, Back to the Future fame, uh, if, you are, if you are aware of Back to the Future, you know what Watchtower I'm talking about, turns into a Transformer, specifically a Decepticon. And starts fighting what Autobots uh, that are there. Things don't go well for the Autobots. But of course, Marty and Gigabyte end up going back to the future. Back to the past to kind of change things. And they do. And the whole miniseries is uh, wrapped up nicely and neatly. um, On the way to setting up a potential other sequel. um, As they have been known to do with Transformers. uh, uh, Of at all much less recently because you know there's that um one transforms my little opponent one that's still up in the air right now but um the first one of those set up a sequel and this one seems to be doing the same thing uh by the way it ended so we will probably see another back to the future tra- uh, transforms back to the future uh crossover at some point but this was fun so I enjoyed it I ended up getting the the gigabyte uh, gigawatt excuse me figure from it but that was beside the point Um, I don't know if the the watchtower one is going to come into play but it's going to it would be a big one if it did we'll see but if there's one announced don't be surprised Uh, next book though is bitter number 14 which I believe you read did you not or have you not read it we joked about this.
0: I yes. need to go back and uh, reread the last issue right. or two because I know they've been using this time jump trope right. mm-hmm. uh, as a storytelling uh, as a storytelling uh, 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 mode,
1: and um, I've lost track of who's doing what and where. Right, and this I feel like this is kind of is supposedly. Not necessarily catching you up but getting you to a place. But the creative team, before I get into that real quick, is uh written by David F. Walker and Chuck Brown. Shout out to Chuck Hometown uh Chuck Brown. Also hometown uh artist um Sanford Green is doing the art. Um color artist is uh Sophie Dodson johnson and letters by Hassan Atsmani um Elao. So, yeah, as uh, we just said, uh, it, d- they definitely are using sort of a, a, um, a time skipping mechanics because it starts with um, the Uncle Enoch uh, from technically a few years prior to this. So if you're not aware of Bitterroot, Root is about a family of um, demon hunters and it's set in Harlem uh, in the 1920s. Uh, that's pretty much that. It's going to be made into a feature film at some point. Assume they're working on it right now. But um, right now we still have the, uh, the well, I mean, we still have the book regardless. So it starts off with a the, with the tale of uh, one of the uncles, Enoch, and kind of flashing from 19, uh, 1919 to his current status now uh, without giving away the events of uh, the last issue where he is um, now in a place, let's just say. Uh but the book then kinda of still skips to other characters who are kind of we're getting their thoughts, um their their thoughts and motivations uh, going into the next um the next uh part of this book. So we see little uh pages from uh Blink and this one Doctor Sylvester who was kind of a bad guy but kind of is now on the side of right in a way although he was more like a wasn't necessarily on right or wrong he was just kind of on his own side um, and a couple of the family members where they are and where they're trying to get to um, because the, the family the a lot of the family had been separated by recent events uh, and and again a couple of are in a state where they may or may not be, uh, be around um, and of course, Blink has been made, uh, the head of the family, who, which at the time was not, which was unheard of, you know, because, um, you know, because of the time and because of, um, you know, the way the, the family was set up. Um, but then near the end of the book, we kind of get to a place to where it's kind of back to the present and going into, um, going into i guess the next arc kind of uh, of this uh book and as i say in my notes like things are kind of basically coming together um because things they've got pretty much had gone wrong like this is almost like the dark middle chapter like an empire strikes back kind of situation uh whereas like yeah, things kind of went away for the family uh, and they kind of were on... They are now on the losing end of things. But that might turn around after whatever is going to happen happening coming from this. Uh, there was a potential revelation at the last... Um, at the end of the last issue that we didn't get... To, still hadn't gotten to see yet. Because the person who was giving it is also off the board right now. Or probably for good. So, that is that. Um... I say, check out um, if anything I said about uh, the description of uh, Bitterroot uh, interest, you should check out bitterroot. it's a good book. Uh, next book for me is Teen Titans Academy, uh, number four, and that's written by Tim Sheridan. Sheridan, art by Steve Lieber, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Rob Lee and This is uh, another picture to click of the week because it focuses on I don't know who the I don't know where these uh kids came from. I'm going to assume it was like R.R. Robin or something. I don't know. But the issue focuses on the Bat Pack, which is this trio of uh kids who are at the Teen Titans Academy. Um, and obviously they're they're fans of Batman, but they also style themselves as uh detectives, um pattern after the Batman and they all have different um I guess strengths for the rest of the for for lack of a better word. Like there's the one kid, True recover he's kinda of sort of the leader and the mouthpiece of this uh of this uh story. Uh, and then there's um girl who's like the techie uh of the of the group and then there's um Megabat who is like the strong silent dude uh that's 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 with them. So yeah, this is basically them trying to solve what they deem as the biggest mystery of teen titans academy and that's who red x is so we already know who red x is because of future state so that's not a mystery to us but they spend this whole issue trying to figure out who it is and they seem like they're getting closer sometimes and and uh, and sometimes they don't but they get kind of shooed away from from um near the end of those get shooed away from um from going down this line, you know, for their own safety and for, and for other reasons. But we also get shades of uh, what's going on with um, uh, Shazam, which I think that was probably another sh- uh, thing that was um, from sh- uh, a future state. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, there was definitely something going on with Billy and his powers that kind of gets uh, talked about here. Um,. But yeah, like I said, most of the uh, issue is pretty much them trying to figure out who Red X is and that not happening for one reason or another. Uh, Last book is Star Wars Darth Vader number 13. Uh, And the creative team is, uh, the writer is Greg Pak. Uh, Art by Raffaele Bianco. Uh, Colors by Jason Keith. And letters by VC's Joe Karamanga. And uh, I think Agent 7 is going to read this at some point. Uh I'm not sure. Are you? Probably. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you've seen the cover, okay. you've you if you've seen the cover, you've kind of seen what the most of this book is about, I guess. Or most of this issue is about. So basically it ends up being uh Vader versus IG eighty eight. Whom, if you know anything about the movies They've had dealings with each other in the past prior to that. But because of the fact that this is a War of the Bounty Hunter tie-in and that Vader has invested himself in it, uh, they found themselves on different sides, sides of that conflict. Um, Vader also finds out about the Crimson Dawn during the course of this. And... Um, you get to find out who uh, IG88 was working for in this in this interest. Like this, is a, this is kind of sort of has not really much to do with the um, directly with War of the Bounty Hunters, except for it's like setting. I guess it's setting Vader in place to get more directly involved, because like I said, he finds out about and Dawn. I, th- I can't. Re- I don't think he finds out about that auction, but he does definitely finds out about that, and. um... Uh, kinda goes off on that. But half of the half of it, like I said, is a fight between him and IG eighty eight, and that was pretty much the the uh the whole thing about it. And that folks is it for me and my books. And now we can go on to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week. And we already have one click. I wish I totally forgot to put in here, but that's fine. Uh we have one click of the week from uh Tim who said his pick was uh sword number six mm-hmm, which yeah definitely was a good book from this week this, this week, so yeah, I support that um i don't know yeah
0: I think I'm gonna book. second that
1: hmm okay nice Yeah, because it really was a good issue um for for special you know for the revelations and that you know <laughs> the, the whole Richard Ryder thing like you could almost I would almost say you could kind of go with a uh, sword and guardians as a tandem you know right just because, because they both
0: serve right they both serve to set up the new status quo
1: exactly um, and like they are tied so closely together even though like initially you would not have you may not have known that if you know if you didn't uh, think about it too, too, too much uh, so that being the case Mm-hmm. Um Hmm. I kinda wanna also go with that, but uh, but um also Guardians is good. Guardians you know was Guardians, was good. Guardians is a strong contender. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Um Silk was
0: actually alright. Uh Robin was pretty good. Yeah, I would I would have said Silk and Robin as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to like... It's kind of one of those weeks where, yes, there was some good stuff, but nothing... Like, the couple of them that stand out kind of stand out in tandem. Like, Sword and Guardians. Mm-hmm. So, even in that, you kind of, you know... All right. worth...
0: I mean, I enjoyed Hero's Return for what it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I didn't get a chance to read it from Drone 2, so I don't know. Um, so, I don't know. So, you know what? Um, I think... Uh, I am going to go with Transformers Thirty One. I think is pretty good for, for me, but that's you know just just me. Um, actually, I will go with Guardians because I feel like the 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 two in tandem, like the the sword and, ta- and, and Guardians in tandem, you know, were were, we're good reads. Uh, and that being the case, folks, that is that are our that's our clicks of the week, and we will now go into the news section, but first, an ad read our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine
0: club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door from Rose to Cabernet to torronte. Wink has over one hundred styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine. Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the comic book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news.
1: And we start off, as we do uh, every week, with the cinematic news. Uh, the Flash movie debuts first look at Supergirl's costume. The so DC uh, Extended Universe fans have their first look at Supergirl costume Sasha Kelly uh, will don in the Flash feature film. Originally shared by, shared by director uh, Andy Machete on Instagram, the image is the up-close cropped photo of Supergirl's House of L symbol, which prev- uh, previews the fine details found on the super suit and uh i think this article kind of points out that it kind of looks like chainmail but they've been doing more textured suits uh and you know like cuz i think supergirl's suit on on the show is also kind of textured in a similar manner so not that big of a surprise but you know we only get a close up at but so kind of looks good next up
0: next up Shazam Fury of the Gods director reveals the team's new costumes so um Director David F. Sandberg revealed an image of the full Shazam family in their new superhero costumes. Um, the image comes on the heels of Leak Photos featuring Zachary Levi donning his new costume that surfaced in early June. However, this is our first look at the rest of the Shazam family as, they'll, as they will appear in the sequel. Um... Yeah, so yeah, the rest of this article talks about what's gonna happen in the uh the sequel, but it looks like we have not necessarily all the colors of the rainbow, but we have blue, purple, uh kind of like a gray, black, uh the big red cheese, like a darker red, and then um Is that a black? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a black.
1: Um, yeah, it seems. This happens more... when
0: you do the show in sunglasses, folks. You got to double check the tint on your monitor.
1: Yeah, it seems. Uh, it seems like a Power Rangers uh, formation more than more than anything. <laughs> so, but um, and speaking of Shazam news, um, Grace Fulton takes over a superhero Mary role from Michelle Borth. Um, excuse me. So it says here, Michelle. Uh, excuse me. Mary Bromfield is all grown up in the excuse me, there we go in the Shazam sequel Uh, Grace Fulton will pull double duty as Mary and uh, superhero Mary in Shazam Fury of the Gods, taking over for the costumed hero role from uh, Michelle Borth Uh, after director David F. Sandberg shared the first look at the adult uh, the the, the Marvel family, I'm not saying that word that's ridiculous Uh, uh, article uh, in costume in i was about Zambi. to say
0: that's somebody who who uh refuses to acknowledge the change
1: yeah who me or them
0: no them oh yeah because yeah you're right because because the, the article i just read said the shazam family
1: yeah it says and it says sh- the shazamily is what the Shh. article i'm right is, is, is so there you go i ended up saying it anyway um so yeah uh the people in the costume, and now Grace, who apparently is, is playing, uh, yeah, who's playing both parts of Mary and Super uh, and Mary Marvel, is now going to be in the suit. And, uh, there you go. Uh, so it says, yes, Grace now plays both parts, Sandberg tweeted after Monday's reveal, but her hair and makeup was slightly different when she's Super, so no one will ever recognize her. Hey, it works for Super Wonder Woman. Mm. I mean, to be fair, you know, people in DC's universe is silly anyway, because apparently they can be fooled by a pair of glasses, so, <laughs> in a slick back hair, but, you know, hey. Next up.
0: Next up, okay, uh, Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate costume in Black Ad- in the Black Adam movie will be created using the motion capture, um uh brosnan you know with production well underway it's actually almost done from what i have read recently brosnan provided some insight into how his character will be realized on screen stating that he has been wearing a motion capture suit for the role of dr fate he says i do have to put the motion capture suit on which is an acting challenge in itself uh he stated in a video for people um luckily he was brought up in the theater so he knows how to get into tights okay
1: sure also bond james bond right
0: i mean we worry Let's everyone worries i think what i what i remember seeing uh with regards to the reaction was that people were worried that it was going to look too much like uh the green lantern costumes Right. And how DC just hasn't learned from that experience. I would say uh, we've come a long way since then, I think. And the Dr. Fate costume is magic after all. So, you know, the hope is that they did some of it, you know, that that some of it was with motion capture and some of it with practical. But, you know, we won't know until the final product to see what it actually looks like.
1: Yep. Uh the latest Suicide, Suicide Squad trailer is packed with new crazy footage, apparently. So yeah, there's new trailer. You huh? No, you I haven't watch? watched it yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh so apparently there yeah, Because I just I saw this earlier today, um even though this, this article came out a couple of days ago. Um so I didn't have a chance to to watch it. But apparently actually that's not true. I saw it yesterday. Either way uh apparently this was it started off as an ad for on YouTube, so you couldn't really just find this trailer uh but now I think that sounds like it's not the case and that was also because of uh i guess because of the nature of it uh according to this article so the the trailer's been released and looks like the trailer had been leaked but with the video labeled early access trailer do not share um also but as various cast members did just that, uh, it became clear that it wasn't a leak, but it was a part of the movie's marketing. Uh, James Gunn even got on, got in on the act on Twitter, chastising stars such as Alice Braga, Steve Agee, and Joel Kinnaman for spoiling the trailer's planned release schedule. Uh, and, of course, you can check out the trailer and the original story uh, from the article, if you so did you. Sure. And hey, did you watch it? Yes. What do you think? Well,
0: it was interesting. It's def- you de- <laughs> you can definitely see Gunn's influence, you know, and 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 the touch of um additional humor which actually works as opposed to the humor that they try to force uh in most uh DC EU movies. Mm-hmm. It actually works
1: in the trailer, you know, the laughs I mean, you can kind of tell it from that last trailer, but yeah, if it's if it's more of that, then yeah, that's not a not a surprise then. So cool. I have to watch it. Next up.
0: Next up. Spoiler alert: Superman and Lois star Emmanuel Tricky.
1: Uh, or Cricky? Tri- uh, tricky, I think. I I, I forget. I've I've heard it uh, pronounced before, but I can't remember.
0: On that shocking family reunion, she was apparently freaking out. So Superman and Lowe's revealed even more secrets from the house of L. Um, spoiler alert apparently um, I don't want to get I don't want to get too much into the spoilers but uh, apparently uh, in this interview uh, the actress related how which um, uh, well call it that uh, that Lana Clark's high school girlfriend, and later on and off friend uh becomes possessed by uh, superman's biological mother and uh yeah that's that's the the gist of it that's pretty much well, yeah whole, and her reaction yeah, to it yeah exactly there's a whole bunch of other stuff in here describing the the most recent episode it's
1: very spoilery mhm and that was pro- that that in itself was probably the biggest spoiler <laughs> <laughs> or a part of it anyway but that's not the whole right yeah you know. Um, next up, though, Titan Season 3 delves into Starfire's origins. Um, Prathy Srinivasan, Sriniv- I apologize for I butchered your name, uh, executive story editor on Titans, discussed, uh, Corey's role in the upcoming third season of the HBO Max series. Responding to a fan on Twitter... Uh, uh, Shrinivasan said that Corey's background round will be further explored in the new season. Uh, we'll get a little taste of her origin, which is exciting because even with her memories back, uh, Corey can feel so mysterious. Um, throughout the series, Corey, uh, aka Starfighter, has struggled with her identity. Though a little about her life back on her home planet of uh, Tamaran has been revealed thus far. So yeah, I guess we get get a little bit of that. And she's not I assume she's not doing or well, at least from what I remember watching initially, she's not doing the, the the thing that the animated Starfire does. And I don't know if they've ever actually referenced that, which is probably fine. So there you go. Uh if there's a little bit more, they also said that um Yeah, that um is also going into um the third season, such as Black Fire, Starfire Sisters, is going to cause trouble for the Titans, and I think we get a little bit more on uh, Red Hood, according, according to this article. So there you go. Next up,
0: next up, Full Metal Alchemist has announced a new project for the series twentieth anniversary, uh, Shonen Gangan magazine, and series creator Hir- Hiromu Arakawa. Are teasing a big announcement to mark the upcoming 20th anniversary of Full Metal Alchemist original release. Um, uh... Right, so the so this announcement is supposed to be set uh, to come out in uh, well, may come out in the next issue of uh, manga Mogura. No no the Shonen Ganga magazine that is right. and it's supposed to be coming out July 12th. This was out via the Manga Mongura
1: on Twitter. Right. Which I guess is a fan site or something I don't know. I don't know a fan page account or something but yeah. So this folks is the uh, start of the unofficial and not definitely uh, uh continuous uh anime block. <laughs> Just say that because this just so happened to be some stuff that happened to run together. Uh, speaking of Netflix's Yu Yu Hakusho, in a report, um, there might be a live action series that may have begun filming in Japan. So Netflix's uh, upcoming adaptation of the shonen manga series Yu Hakusho, also man- uh, also anime, has reportedly begun filming. So I guess this is uh, actually a real thing. But the report that it started filming is the is what is um, speculative. Uh, as translated by a Twitter guy, some Twitter guy person, a Japanese fan of the series tweeted that uh, Yu Hakusho live action series begin filming in their neighborhood, and they posted a picture of a notice that apparently announces the film for the uh, the filming for the series is occurring in that area. Um, the f- fans stated that it appears that Netflix built an entire street level shopping district to serve as a set um in a later tweet the original poster mentions that they saw actors wearing blue and green uniforms which matched the colors of the uniforms worn by um Yusuke and uh that sounds like well the the blue the the green would be Yusuke and the green would be Kurobara um so and if you've ever watched that show you already know this or read the manga but you've probably watched the show more than, more than that. So, regardless, uh, let's see. The series will reportedly star uh, actor and pop idol Takumi Kitamura, who's best known to Western audience as the star of the live action adaptation of Tokyo Revengers. Uh, the series originally announced by Netflix in December 2020. Currently, the company has not made any official announcements regarding production or casting. So, it's all up in the air, folks. Next.
0: Next up, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. The movie reveals a new image and premiere date. Um, So the new promotional image has been released ahead of its upcoming December premiere. Revealed via Twitter, the new image depicts the protagonist of the Jujutsu Kaisen prequel, Yuta Okotsu, and his childhood friend, Rika. This is set to premiere on Christmas Eve, December 24th, Jujutsu Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, is an adaptation of the original 2017 Shonen Jump miniseries by Gege Akutami, which was so well-received that it inspired a sequel in the form of the current Jujutsu Kaisen series. The movie will be animated by studio MAPPA, which also animated the first season of the Jujutsu Kaisen anime series, as well as other popular anime, such as Attack on Titan,
1: uh, Kakaguri, Mm -hmm. and Yuri on Ice. Yes, can't wait because the Jujutsu Kaisen was pretty good. Um, so I and even though this is going to be a prequel and not possibly have anything to do with um, the the current goings on, I'm I'm alright with this. Cool. I watched it. Oh, you did you finish it? Yep, I'm done with it. Nice. What do you think? Oh, no matter. We talk about it later. It was uh, good. Yeah. Cool. We'll talk about it later.
0: It was good. I mean, it's not necessarily my cup of tea, but then again, we've 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 ten, we've come to tend to discover, and we're actually going to talk about some of the uh, the mecha and the robo uh, mm-hmm. anime coming up. That uh, what I thought was supposed to be my cup of tea is, <laughs> you know, a little different.
1: Yeah, which we've we've talked about this um, uh, off air. So yeah, that's something. Next up. Uh, Speaking of, Robotech is back with a new Collector's Edition and streaming on Funimation. So Funimation has announced that the classic Robotech anime series will soon be available for streaming on its service. All three sagas and 85 episodes of the seminal 1985 series will be available for streaming on Funimation beginning September 28th. Uh, Funimation will also uh, release the series physically in a special collector's edition that remasters the show for its first appearance on Blu-ray. Uh, the Blu-ray transfer will be based on a previous DVD release of the series and will retain the original Prince film grain. Um, which means, yes, it's probably not going to look all that great, but it's going to look our positive as as, as they're going to be able to get it. Uh, the collector's it's gonna...
0: going to look authentic. That's what they're going for.
1: Sure, that's another way to say it. Uh the collections edition will also include an exclusive figure of ace pilot Roy Fokker. Uh in a black variant of his flight suit, a series of embroidered patches, and ex and an exclusive figure of the iconic VF1S, which can fully transform from fighter jet to robot mode. Which is probably the coolest thing about me- I mean about uh Robotech honestly. Uh the rest of the stuff but everything surrounding it, yeah, it is what it is. It's a classic kind of sort of for, for reasons, but... Yeah. But anyway, um, that is me editorializing. Um, Funimation also announced that it has acquired the merchandising rights to the series and are planning to release even more Robotech-branded products, uh, which includes a series of NFTs. Jesus. And a recently released Robotech: The Macross uh, Saga HD Edition video game for the Nintendo Switch. So yeah, there we go. Hopefully they do something with the dubbing. I don't think it says that here. Uh, I, because mm, that would be, that would be great if they did. Um, and I don't think if if the last DVD was a how many uh, was a how girl print because if it is, that's gonna be not great. But, um, yeah, well, it doesn't necessarily say here either, but since Funimation has the rights, maybe they, uh, I don't know what they're using. So yeah, maybe it'll be better. Well, we'll see if they've done anything with it. Next up though.
0: All righty. Next up is something that is, uh, uh, kind of relevant and salient to my own, uh, 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 research into what to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, the Mobile Suit Gundam m- movie trilogy, the original, uh, is apparently a perfect gateway to the series, and it's going to be on Netflix. Mm. So between news about poles like Umbrella Academy and Stranger Things, Netflix took the opportunity of its five-week Geek Week, quote-unquote, to drop uh, an announcement that the company had acquired the streaming rights to Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway, the latest feature-length anime in the long-running Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. It's the first of a planned trilogy of movies by Shuko Murase. And on top of the new movie, the streamer has also brought the first three Gundam compilation films from the 1980s. Mobile Suit Gundam 1, Mobile Suit Gundam 2, Soldiers of Sorrow, and Mobile Suit Gundam 3, Encounters in Space, to the service for the first time. Uh, MSG is widely credited with the maturation of the giant robot anime, genre, and for weaving a complicated and and unerringly human story about love, war, and the hope for peace among the stars. Um, Hold on. Uh, It's actually out now. no, I just wanted to to throw in some of this uh, commentary from the article. Spanning <laughs> sure. over thirty different anime series, divided between ten separate continuities, mm-hmm. getting into Gundam as a newcomer can feel like a bewildering and impenetrable experience.
1: And uh, it's true. It's, <laughs> yes, as Agent Seventy has firsthand knowledge of now, and as I as I told him going into his research, his
0: right. And it's know. not exactly. It's nothing new to me because even over over the years of seeing like the models come out. And and being like, oh, this is cool. Where does this come from? You mm-hmm. know? And, like, seeing all the different labels and the different titles. Oh, So, apparently, <laughs> according to this article, the best... You know, while the best recommended entry point for viewers new to the series is a common topic of debate, most long-time fans would recommend that newcomers start with the original 1979 mobile suit Gundam anime set in the Universal Century continuity.
1: And I disagree. And, um... Well, you know... Uh... I mean, if you want to be a completionist, yeah, because I mean, it's good to kind of go back on that stuff, but it's for some, some people, some of that stuff doesn't really hold up all that great. But also right. some people I mean, but also, know, some people yeah. also like, actually like that version.
0: Right. I mean, I've I, I watched the 08th MS team, mm-hmm. which is part of that timeline, exactly. so I probably would be more comfortable going backwards now. But, you know, there's all these people like Char and Amuro and whatever the hell that is. So yeah, I'm like, just give me big robots fighting.
1: Yeah, no, you you get. I'm
0: simple like that.
1: Yeah, see that, and that's where that's where the original stuff kind of personally falls apart. And I kind of hate that because you, like, yeah, you want stuff like this to exist because, like, yeah, it's a it's a more it's a human story and it's about love and war and this and that and the other and all that kind of goes. And just so happens to be uh, giant mix in the in the in the in the middle of it. But they focus more on the human element more than more than the, uh, the the giant mech stuff which again if you're of a certain vintage and certain type you know, that's, you know, that's going to play to you differently uh, it's when you get into, and granted the later series are kind of like that too but they, they at least interspersed a little bit more action into it like say Wing um, uh, for instance like right. yeah they're, they're, you know, there's a lot of exposition there but also there's a, a, just as much Action in between that stuff as opposed to you know.
0: Right. It's like uh, a Godzilla movie. You wanna see Godzilla, enough with the, the, the little people running around.
1: Yeah, and it's called Mumble Suit Gundam and not, hey, these people fighting this war, you know. But <laughs> nevertheless, you know, um, um speaking of Witch under Robin, that's the series I kinda wanna go wanna go back and re- revisit. But regardless, uh so yeah i think all of those um all of those movies are now on netflix because i did see them a few days ago um i think i think when i found this article and um i don't know folks where do you feel that if you're if you're a gun other and you're gonna fan where where do you think a, a a start should be just out of curiosity because i mean Agent 7 is already starting his research, so it's not like he's going to do that. But I'm just saying, just out of curiosity, what do you feel like it would be a good starting point for anybody you want to bring anybody into Gundam? I'm saying Wing, you know, and I know people have their issues with Wing. Uh, but also, I love the 8th MS team, which uh, Agent 7 has already just seen.
0: I was about to say, and by the way, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, you know, I don't think it's in our news, but... Um Godzilla singular point the uh the dedicated anime on Netflix um is out now
1: it's on not Netflix. About, I think we talked about it last week that it was going to be out yeah that was going to be out by now so yeah All right just a just a quick reminder for anyone who is looking for something new to watch it is definitely out now on Netflix yep it is uh next up though uh wait is this me yeah I think so. yes, um speaking of mobile suit Gundam uh Mobile Suit Gundam film director Jordan Voigt roberts um, shares video addressing his work on projects. Speaking of Gundam. Oh,
0: by the way, I was about to say, so these are compilation movies. Yes. So I can actually watch these and figure out what's going on without having to go through all of the,
1: the minutia of the series? You can try. Yeah. They might give you a better uh, understanding. Because, the yeah, there's been a... Yeah. You could try. I think someone would, would probably say um, Mobile Suit Gundam Origins is probably a better way to start, but I have not seen that for myself to kind of say that, and then Understood. go back to the and then go back to the originals. But yeah, you could try. Uh, I can't remember how these played out because I don't remember if I've actually seen those.
0: All right, well, I see them in Netflix now, so I can add it to my add it to my queue and see if I can work my way through. Yeah,
1: but so there's going to be a, a mobile suit uh, Gundam live action film, and the guy who did uh, Kong Skull Island is uh, directing it. So, and that's what this article is about because he's sharing a, a video addressing his work on a project, which is from. Oh, yeah, so yeah, it was announced a couple of months ago that uh, Jordan Voigt Roberts was hired to helm a live action film featuring a uh, feature film adaptation of Mobile Suit Gundam. The filmmaker has now addressed his involvement and work on a project in a video message that he recently shared. This is a cussy dude, by the way. Um. Or at least he was in that Honest trailer that I saw him in. Uh, but it says, uh, A message to my Gundam family and all of people of Earth whose souls are weighed down by gravity. Uh, a new type of future awaits us with, uh, hashtag, with uh, Sunrise Legacy and Netflix. Um, and then uh, he links to the video message uh, in his tweet that, that starts off. And you can check out the tweet in itself and the uh, the message for yourself. Which, by the way, nice Gundam. Which I think that's is that Sandrock? No, it's not. Anyway, th- he's got a Gundam on his desk. That's all you need to know. It's a, and it's a cool looking Gundam. And I'm trying to place that one, but because I, I don't, you know, there are a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And that's not Sandrock, I know, but because Sandrock does not have that shield. Regardless, um there you go. So, okay, so you can kinda check that out on your own. Next up. Oh, actually, let me go ahead and put this in here because I think I forgot to put this in here. So there was a new trailer for Snake Eyes uh G- the Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins uh also recently, and I totally forgot to put that in here. Um it looks alright. Yeah. So it's out there if you want to check it out. Next up. Next up, Netflix confirmed Castlevania
0: will continue with a new show. Um, it's going to continue with an all-new series set in 1792 France against the backdrop of the French Revolution. Um, the Kevin Cold and other Castlevania creative team members appeared at Netflix Geeket, Geeket, Geeked to announce the new show. Um, this is actually back on June 11th, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. Um this marks the latest installment in Netflix's gaming adaptation strategy, one that includes successful takes on series like The Witcher and upcoming bets including Resident Evil. Yeah,
1: All I right. can't remember if we talked about this last week uh, or not. So I figured let me go ahead and throw this in here real quick just because case we didn't. Because uh, season four is out on on, on Netflix uh, now, and I know we have definitely talked about that. And I, people have said it was good. And I haven't watched it yet. But next up, uh, Marvel's Silk Show adds Watchmen producer as a showrunner. Uh, Tony Speziali, former uh, executive producer of the Emmy-winning HBO series Watchmen, has reportedly signed uh, a deal with Amazon Studios to serve as a showrunner of, for the upcoming live-action uh, Mar- uh, Marvel series Silk. Uh, the critically acclaimed Watchmen series served as an extension of Alan Moore's seminal graphic... You know what that was, that show was, y'all watched it. Uh, before that, though, uh, Speziale co-created as Ash vs. the Evil Dead and executive-produced TV hit shows like uh, Desperate Housewives and Dead Like Me. Ooh, hmm. I don't know how to feel about that. All right. Uh, but, yeah. So yeah, that's that. And uh, do we have a more of a concrete date of when that's going to happen? We do not. So there you go. Next.
0: Wait, is this gonna be this? This is uh, what you call it? This is um, this is a Sony
1: series, right? Yes. And it's gonna be on Amazon. <sighs> yeah, I know. Cause I was I was about to say until I realized, uh, uh like why is it not gonna be on Disney Plus? Um, but yeah. That's
0: all I have to say.
1: Ugh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Alrighty. Um, so, uh, there are some new Marvel-themed Hyundai commercials, which feature Captain America and the Scarlet Witch. Did you happen to see these on television? No. I got a kick out of it. I saw it. So, uh, apparently... Um, uh, Anthony Mackie reprises his role as Captain America in a new commercial for Hyundai and so does Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch and she's selling Hyundais as well Um, the joke in in, in this article is that they have to make some extra cash somehow because Tony Stark obviously didn't take care of them
1: true (laughs) so yeah I'm gonna have to uh, yeah I meant to watch these but I didn't get a chance to
0: also no, I was, like, was gonna say I just
1: happened to see it on television. Right. Yeah, I don't really watch much live TV, so um
0: I wanna say I saw uh I think I I honestly think it was me watching uh basketball when it popped up.
1: Yeah, that's not surprised. They that's usually when they would have something like that going uh happening. So yep. Um, side note, and this is not comic related, but, I, um, but I wanted to put it here anyway. Um, there's a new trailer for a Western action film, The Heart of Day Fall. It's got Regina King, Idris Elba, and a bunch of other people that you will probably know, including Jonathan Majors and Zazie Beats, who have done comic book work, but, uh, Lakeith Anfield also, who, you know, Spider-Verse. Yeah, sure. But yeah, it looks good. You should check it out. But uh, next, actually, uh, former Incredible Hulk Lou Ferrigno uh, throws, according to this article, throws shade at CGI and padded suits, which I feel like um, is pretty much something old that became new again. Because I feel like this is not the first time Lou Ferrigno has, has you know, talked about said this. Yes. Yeah, I'm almost fairly certain that we have talked about this a few years ago. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, former Incredible Hulk uh, the actor Lou Ferrigno uh, threw some shade. Uh, no wider than, yeah. Ugh, I hate anyway, he uses uh, who you, throws some shade at actors who use some CGI effects and padded suits to appear more muscular in their superhero costumes? Ferrigno, while promoting a new YouTube video about his diet and fitness routine, of course, appeared to poke fun at actors who have enhanced their appearances using uh, screen tricks. So yeah uh you can I've said everything that needs to be said for that honestly next up
0: next up new The Witcher season 2 teaser trailer gives us a first look at Geralt back in action so Superman I mean um (laughs) uh Henry Cavill um is uh Monster hunter for hire, and uh, he looks suitably stern in one scene while an unknown figure is shown in chains in another. In this trailer, then things get out of control. So, if you are a fan of uh, The Witcher, take a look at this trailer, yeah, it's coming your way.
1: Uh, oh no, Witcher, there's a Witcher con, Jesus, yeah, that was announced during uh, Netflix Geek uh, Geeked Week.
0: WitcherCon, July 9th and 10th. The event is a joint partnership between Netflix and Witcher game developer CD Projekt Red. The first live stream kicks off at 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. uh the hell is BST?
1: Um, um, well, so um, uh, CD Projekt Red is um German or no, then the Netherlands or something like that. So it's the European. So, yeah. Or Lin standard time, maybe. Uh, I don't I Can't know. remember. Yeah, I don't know. But regardless, five hours. They, no, five hours from the east. Is it British standard? No. No, know. that would be that would be British uh, standard. Uh, but um, but no, I think there there it's like more like seven or eight. I'm not sure.
2: In any
0: event, six hours. Uh, right, you could check out the official description on the WitcherCon site. You can Google that yep. and. Um, you know, check out the actual time that's going to be available for streaming where you, wherever you are.
1: Yeah. Um, weird. New Transformers Rise of the Beast film opens in June 2022. Paramount Pictures.
0: I'll are- be damned it is British summertime.
1: Is it? Apparently. Well, I just googled go. it. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Paramount Pictures announced on Tuesday that the next film in in its live action Transformers franchise is titled what I just said, Transformers Rise of the Beasts Uh, the movie will open on the date that I just said and it will be also released in Japan in 2022 under the title Transformers Beast uh, Kakusai Uh, The new film will center on key concepts from the earlier Beast Wars Transformers show, including the appearance of the Maximal and Predacon factions, as well as characters such as Optimus Primal, Air Razor, and Rhinox. It will feature elements from other projects such as uh, Terracons and Scourge, alongside classic characters such as Optimus Prime and the Bumblebee. So they're going to have Optimus Primal and Optimus Prime in the same movie? Interesting. Uh, maybe may may, may may not be at the same time, but whatever. Stephen Capel uh, Jr. is directing the film, which also stars uh, Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. So, yeah. Um, I'm kind of sort of looking forward to that, but also, man, the state of Transformers f- films are not great. <laughs> Uh, that said, I haven't seen Bumblebee, but, you know, the, the stink of the other ones kind of put me off on, on, on that one. But, you know, one of these days I'll have to go through all of them for my own benefit. Uh, next up.
0: Next up, uh, the Shang-Chi trailer dropped earlier tonight, uh, Thursday night. If you were watching the, um, if you're watching the, uh, uh, the, I guess it was the pregame to Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals in the NBA. Uh, they they showed it on television, and it was available uh, immediately on YouTube soon after. So uh, we provide a link to the trailer in our show notes, so make sure you take a look at our show notes for the link. Um, Marvel Studios released the first full-length trailer for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which features the return of a villain from the Marvel Cinematic Universe's the incredible hulk spoiler alert so we get lots of cool stuff in the trailer mm-hmm. um you know uh a lot of it really isn't spoilerific when it comes to the shang chi movie but the one thing that does pop up at the end which i uh I, I asked roddy cat to watch it before we started the show um so apologies for starting a, a little later than even usual but um one thing that does pop up, and as I said, spoiler alert: it appears that uh, the abomination played by, you uh, know, uh, uh, the uh, otherwise known as Emil Blonsky, played by uh, uh, what is that? Uh, what's the character? What's the actor's name? Uh, Tim. Um... Oh, I forget. But Tim the point is, um, the uh, the abomination appears to make at least a brief cameo appearance here in uh, shang Hmm. Tim
1: Roth. Uh, Tim Roth. There you go.
0: It's there in the article. I just had to scroll down a little bit.
1: Of Tim Roth. Um. So yeah, that was interesting to see. Um. Especially given that the Hulk movie that he was in is not necessarily kind of sort of not sort of kind of sort of not considered canon but is
0: right but way. he is also supposed to reprise his role in the she hulk disney plus show so they are uh slowly but surely integrating that into uh the mcu mm-hmm um and that is i was gonna say and if you don't have anything else on that that is it for uh cinematic news
1: The only thing i was gonna say about that trailer is uh it was a it was a good looking trailer and it, i felt like uh speaking of uh um, henry cavill i feel like there was a part in that trailer where uh whoever we see with the rings on kind of cocks their arms like like uh cavill did in that mission impossible uh, movie right so uh that kind of gave me shades of that i was like okay that's 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 amusing. Right.
0: I guess uh, what I was going to say is I guess if there is one thing to take away from the trailer is what, you know, it, it's with regards to what Roddy Cat just mentioned is to actually see the ten rings in action mm-hmm. and to see how uh, potentially different that uh, they, they'll be depicted
1: than the comic book version of the Mandarin's ten rings. Right, because the ten rings in the in the comic books are actual rings that go on your fingers and these are like arm rings. Right. So, you know, we don't know, though, if these ten rings actually possess different
0: powers or if they're in uh, different configurations. Right. They act different. We don't know yet. Obviously, they are holding on to that for now. And maybe we'll find that out in later trailers or just, you know, when we watch the movie. But I would be I would be glad, that, you know, I would hope that they, they give... Because the Mandarin is a a pretty imposing figure. Even though they don't write him like that, he can be a really imposing figure. Like, he can hold off an entire team of Avengers by himself. Right. You know, we're talking about, like, you know, a a powerful (laughs) roster of Avengers. Not talking about,
1: you know, the cookie quartet. Right. Look, let's not talk bad about it. No, I'm stopping <laughs> No, I mean you
2: know, know we don't know you know
0: you listen. The Scarlet Witch by herself it makes the Cookie quartet pretty powerful, but right. you know you know when we're talking about like a, a physically imposing you know powerfully built uh, group of Avengers, I'm probably thinking of. Uh, I I want to say the last time I really saw the Mandarin take on a group of Avengers was probably during Acts of Vengeance. And you know he he was forced to flee because he he was outnumbered, but he was you know the the, the group of Avengers that he was facing off against
1: was pretty imposing. Wait, what's that? So, the wackos that he was going up against during that? Or maybe I'm tripping.
0: Uh, no, I think it was a combination. Hmm. I want to say the wackos and the East Coast group. Came together for that particular issue. That's why, from what I remember, it was a mix of them. Mm, yeah, I remember, I remember Wonder that. Man being, you know, being part of that. You know, so you know, we'll consult, ladies and gentlemen, we will consult uh, our handy dandy Marvel Unlimited after to see, in fact, which groups, uh, which members of the Avengers are part of that particular uh, battle.
1: In Acts of Vengeance. I love the Acts of Vengeance. I know they tried to kind of redo it like a year or two ago with some of the younger group, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to move on to um, the comic book news, actually. shout out to all of Roddy Cat's Transformers talk before. Indeed, thank you. Uh, New Miss Marvel series to explore the source of Kamala Khan's powers, and like I said earlier, there was an article with the the new writer of uh, Miss Marvel um, in the clickbait section. So, Kamala Khan is going on a new adventure in Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit, which hits shelves in this uh, September. From writer Samira Ahmed and artist uh, Andreas Genolet, uh, Miss Marvel, Beyond the Limit, will follow the titular hero after an, an interdimensional explosion at her cousin's lab in Chicago turns her world uh, upside down. The world turned upside down. Okay. And into a <laughs> Bollywood set.
0: That's go right. yeah, with the Hamilton reference.
1: Ha-ha. Uh, the explosion also messes up the hero's powers, and she is up against the clock. To figure out what exactly is going on. So the funny thing about this is like it mentions uh her cousin's lab in Chicago. And I'm thinking, did it have to be her cousin? Could have been just Riri's lab. But you know, that's just me. Um I'm not writing the book. So it's gonna be good to see Kamala in action regardless. So let's see. Um fans that have been there from day one will love to see how we're playing around with her powers, exploring them and maybe pushing them, Ahmed teased. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but there are going to be some questions that arise about the source of her powers and what that means. So, And if you're watching the, the video version of the program, then you can see the cover for uh, the miniseries right there. Because, yes, it is going to be a miniseries. And an ongoing. not going. Sadly. Next up next up so
0: these are spoilers for spider-man spiders shadow number three which is out now uh, spider-man spider shadow turns Marvel's most dangerous genius into venom um, yeah so just you know without getting to everything um, uh, eventually uh, you know this 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 really uh Uh, Expanded upon what-if story, Mm -hmm. you know most what-ifs were really uh, were usually confined to one issue, and 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 lots of them were told with very quick um, uh, uh, transitions, and 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 with with lots of uh, compressed storytelling. This story has had a chance to breathe, you know, to its to its benefit, and so what's what's being teased here is that um, much like in um, the original. Uh, uh symbiote story with uh, uh spider man he does have to consult with uh the ff with regards to trying to get it off get the uh, symbiote uh, detached but uh obviously in this um in this what if story things do not go as planned and the uh and the symbiote attaches itself to uh you know if there if there's a and the the smartest person in the room when it comes to Spidey and the FF just guess who that might be
1: yes, herbie um... ah. <laughs> uh but yes i um have you ever actually been reading this? I read the first issue, so I'm
0: behind an issue this is issue three so yeah'm I'm, I'm behind an issue
1: I' two issues then because I think this is four no this is three oh wait does it say three okay no you're right it's yeah,
0: three so I'm, I'm an issue I mean, now, uh, now I'm technically two issues behind because three is out right. but I just have to read two and three gotcha
1: amazing spider-man says farewell to Nick Spencer with 80 page issue um Nick Spencer who's been writing the marvels uh, excuse me who's been writing marvels the, the amazing spider-man since 2018 which wow that's longer than it seems honestly um uh, Spencer's final. Oh, plus because they've been doing it like twice monthly plus these one shot specials. Man, that's true. And, yeah, and all the .5s and all that kind of, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's been a lot of it. Uh, But, yeah, Nick Spencer has been writing uh, Amazing Spider-Man since 2018, and will leave the title in in September, this coming September. Spencer's final outing with Peter Parker arrives with the spectacular, not spectacular, with The Amazing Spider-Man number 74, which also happens to be the wall, Wall Crawler's Milestone 875th issue. Uh, clocking in at uh, 80 pages, the oversized spectacular will feature artwork from Patrick Gleason, Mark Bagley, Marcelo Ferreira, and more. Uh, and I believe we. Oh, wait, yeah, we get a quote here from, from Nick Lowe, the editor, which is uh, The last three years of Amazing Spider Man have been Nick Spencer's love letter to his favorite character and comic, uh, according to Nick Lowe. Uh, he may be the biggest Spider fan ever. Doubtful. Uh, as evidence from the fact that he read every Spider-Man comic in, perver- in preparation for his landmark run. Um, from 1 all the way through 74, Nick, along with uh, the artists that, that have been um, uh, on the book, have gone huge with more villains, more supporting characters, and more punishment for Peter Parker. Uh, that You know what? We can blah, 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 blah. Um, You see the trailer... I mean, you see the... the um, The cover, what seems to be the cover for uh, um, the Amazing Spider-Man 74 book. Um, And also, a reminder, as uh, Agent Seven said earlier, that September solicitations solicitations are out. Uh, So this and other stuff, uh, news-wise, will be coming out. And this is going to be on sale September 22nd. So there you go. Next. Next up in...
0: Not so welcome news. Ben yes. Riley seems poised to return for a new Amazing Spider Man Beyond era. Uh, when Nick Spencer departs as writer of Amazing Spider Man with number 74, it seems like a familiar face will be returning to the title, none other than Ben Riley, the so called Spider Clone who once replaced Peter Parker as Spider Man in the 90s during the Clone Saga. Uh, along with promotional art apparently showing Riley in an updated version of the suit he wore as Spider-Man and the tagline Spider-Man Beyond. Marvel's announcement names Kelly Thompson, Saladin Ahmed, Cody Ziggler, God, that sounds like Toby Ziggler um, from the West Wing, Patrick Gleason and Zeb Wells as the aforementioned new creative team of Amazing Spider-Man. It's unclear if Gleason will be on board as writer, artist, or both as he has occupied both roles on different titles in the past. As for Thompson, Ahmed, uh, Ziglar, and Wells, they're all primarily known as writers, which points to a possible arrangement similar to the brand new day era in which Amazing Spider-Man relaunched as a weekly title written by a so-called brain trust of rotating writers with some recurring artists. Um, Wells himself was a part of the brand new day brain trust. Um, Marvel's announcement doesn't name any artists other than Gleason. Uh, let's see if this article mentions it. I happen to read somewhere that these books are going to be published three times a month.
1: Oh no! Yep. What? Oh, what's old is used new again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we yep, had yep. like what four or five books back in an, um, uh, um, in a month. Right, sometimes in a week. Now that I think about it. Well, I definitely remember them going
0: weekly. Yeah. So I don't know if they can do a weekly schedule. So that's probably why they're going to go with three. Yeah.
1: Because because yeah, we're cause, three times a
0: month. So that means you know there's going to be an off week uh, every once in a while during the month.
1: Yeah, because wasn't like Web, oh, yeah, Web, amazing and spectacular was all out, um, pretty much in a month. Well, yeah, I mean that's the regular title, but if I recall correctly,
0: they did amazing three times. Uh, they they did amazing weekly right. for a while.
1: Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, and it's brand new day, which no one wants to, no one wants to bring that back up again.
0: But right, so, but here we are. I don't know how I feel about this because I definitely was off the book when Ben Riley was in the book in so, the nineties.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, um, so I don't know. I mean, I you know I like Saladin Ahmed um so i'm 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 willing and kelly thompson as well mm-hmm. so i'm willing to give maybe the first issue or two a shot but if you know what else depends this on lasts, who's... you know i hope this doesn't last too long
1: but also depends on who's kicking that off like whether it's going to be either one of them or someone else um and also Solid of still has miles with the book so so, because the way this sounds like from reading this, it sounds like okay, well, something's going to happen, or Peter's going to be off doing a thing, and I guess Ben is going to take over uh, the role for a little bit. Which, if anybody's thinking about it, sounds like the premise of uh, Miles Morales' uh, video game, uh, most recent video game. Which I'm, which makes me think, why couldn't they have gotten Miles to do it? But Miles has already got his own book. I don't. I don't know if that has anything to do with any kind of reasoning.
0: I'd say but. he's running around as Spider-Man, just a right. different Spider-Man. <laughs> right.
1: So I was like, they didn't necessarily need to do this. It just like, it's like, hey, Miles is all you know, but you know, for whatever reason, they're bringing Ben Riley back into this, and like Agent 7 said, might potentially be off of be off of uh, Spidey That's this particular Spidey book at that time, but you know, might check it out once. Next up, though. Did you? Um, Spider-Man reimagined as Captain America for 80th uh, anniversary variant covers. Under-roost! Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marvel Comics is publishing eight Captain America 80th anniversary variant covers in July 2021. One for each decade the Star-Spangled Avengers been around. Uh, from the four covers shown so far, each of them will represent the star of a... Uh, the start of the variant covers issue as uh Captain America, Spider-Woman, Iron Man and Spider-Man or Spider-Man and Moon Knight so far. <clears throat> so, let's see some surprising comic book characters have taken up the mantle of Cap pe- uh of Cap in the past uh which we go into. You know, yeah, blah, 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 blah. So, you can see the covers uh in this article or at least a couple of the covers. So we got Spider Woman here, and I don't know how I like this suit because that doesn't look. I mean, uh, imagine if you're watching the video ver or uh, the audio version. Imagine Iron Patriot just with uh, these other characters' um, suits, and then you pretty much you got a good idea. With the exception of maybe the Moonlight one, because the Moonlight one is just Moonlight with a shield. Um, let me see, and. Uh, yeah, see there's Moonlight and there's Miles. Yeah, that's right, because this was uh Miles as uh Miles's cap. Which I would buy a figure of this suit, I'm not gonna lie. But hey, that's just me. And then of course there's the other Iron Man with Steve in an Iron Man looks like looking like uh Citizen V with with a shield. Um so yeah, there you go. You can see all the covers. Next up
0: Next up, Marvel's Dark Ages event sees its heroes fail against a new threat. Um, Marvel unveiled new information on Tom Taylor and Iban Coelho's Dark Ages event series that will see a new threat defeat Earth's mightiest heroes. Um, Marvel's greatest heroes will unite and fail against an all-new threat in the Dark Ages event by Tom Taylor and Stormbreaker artist Iban Coelho. Um, this is going to be out in September. This was in the, the, so this is basically part of the, uh, the September solicitations announcement. And, um, this is a six issue limited series. This was foreshadowed in last year's free comic book day, X-Men.
1: Yes. And for those keeping track of, um, you know, people playing by the comic book companies playing by the same playbook, we don't know this for sure. Cause we don't really have much, um, um about this but why does this seem like uh whatever that one was that dc did was it zero hour or pretty much uh like, you know,
0: the one where they were all in the cold or something right. like
1: that yeah i don't know it went, not endless winter because that was more recent one but it was one from from back in like the 80s or 90s but you know what i'm talking about
0: yeah i mean this is the tagline if you guys remember ladies and gentlemen who where who were you wow it says who were you i thought it was where were you when the lights went out right but so. apparently it was who were you when the lights went out?
1: Right. um yeah, I don't sure, but I mean, guess there's not much new into the when it comes to comics they put, they they pretty much play off each other's of playbooks um constantly, so this is not a and it might be something different to what we're talking about right now, so but I can right. Bob it. I mean, look, it, it does say, who were you when the lights went out? That definitely
0: changes the... Uh, that changes one aspect of what the story could be about.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. And, yeah, like I said, we'll, we can speculate, but we'll see. Next up... Um, Cosmic X-Men title Sword welcomes uh, former Young Guns artist to replace Valerio Shkiri. Uh Former Marauders artist uh, Stefano Caselli... We'll be taking over Marvel's Sword title with July 28th, Sword 7. Uh, and this is the, it's called The Morning After the Night Before, which is after the uh, Hellfire Gala, but not all the guests have gone home. Um, it says here, Victor Von Doom is staying for dinner. He's chatting to an old friend, a friend in a very new setting about Thrones, Empires, Magic, Mysterium, and The Last Annihilation. Which we know he's part of the galaxy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, also, so tie, tie, tie. Uh, and I'm going to guess that old friend is Magneto, who I don't know if you could call them friends, but <laughs> you know, even Magneto said he couldn't trust Doom. I believe he's, he's in one of the books this this, uh, this week. But regardless, uh, so seven is the beginning of the X Men cosmic X Men's cosmic sides tie in with the Last Annihilation event. Uh, with series writer Al Ewing and other uh, Al Ewing's other cosmic title Guardians of the Galaxy, which we've said uh, previously Um, and it's also worth noting that Sword 7 goes on sale July 28th but there is no sword issue planned for August and I don't know if there's anything in September um, September's uh, solicits for then Um, but regardless yeah, there you go next next
0: up uh, Kazar is resurrected for kind of a immortal Hulk style evolution in a new series Kazar's bizarre death and resurrection are going to be ex- explored with the jungle hero getting all new powers and all new enemies in the upcoming limited series Kazar. Lord of the Savage Land. This is coming out of the events of Empire.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, remember that, folks? Seems like it was
1: forever ago. Yeah, pretty much. Well,
0: and, his death um, was also
1: forgettable in, in that moment. <laughs> what's that? His death was forgettable in that moment.
0: Right, but now at least they are following up on it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's going to be... Uh, Again, as I said, a lot of this news is coming out of the September solicitations. This is going to be a five-issue limited series, and it's going to,
1: uh, the, fir- the first issue is going to go on sale September 8th. Right, so basically he's following up his wife, Shana the She-Devil, and getting new, new powers and abilities, uh, sounds like. So, yay, I guess. Uh, next up, Marvel's newest teen hero, Toxin, joins Extreme Carnage. Uh, new players entered the Marvel arena carrying an old name, Toxin. Uh, he'll get his first solo spotlight in September's Extreme Carnage Toxin number 1. Teenager uh, Bryn Walker was uh, press-ganged press into uh, new life as a hero when the injured uh, symbiote Toxin claimed him as a new host during the King and Black crossover event. Uh, but, like the best symbiote host pairings, they are working together and the sometimes homicidal toxin symbiote is showing a little more straight and more opinionated rye personality now that he's connected with Brynn. I don't know anything about this character, but okay. So, uh, Extreme Carnage Toxin number 1 goes on sale in September. Blase, blase. Next.
0: Okay. uh, I was about to say, this book is out this week. Yeah. Uh, LGBTQIA Plus Heroes Unite in Marvel's Voices Pride, number one. Uh, this book is out this week. So, you know, if anyone is looking for a preview, we have it here mm-hmm. uh, through this article. But this book is on stands now. So if it uh, piques your interest, go out and get it.
1: Yeah, um, I put this in here just in case we didn't have a chance to talk or we neither one of us had read it. And neither one of us had read it, so it was a good idea to put it in there. <laughs> I mean, we've we've kind of joked about reading these because
0: they're usually you know, they're these, you know, anthology compilations where the stories last like one page or two pages, three pages at most, and it's hard to review something like that other than to maybe touch upon like a you know, a particularly good story. You know, so it's hard to really you know uh, it's hard for us to kind of talk about what we've read in those.
1: You know, all those um Marvel Voices books, right? But also, if you're inclined to check this out, like Agent Seventy said, you, sh- you should. Because uh, I did kind of skim through, yeah. huh? Yeah, because it's out now, and I've, I've skimmed through a couple of a couple of them. There, are, yeah, there's some decent stuff in there. They which they usually are in um, in those uh, compilations, you know. So yeah, next up though, uh, Marvel's Avengers has a weird bug on the PS5 that puts your IP address on display. Ooh. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, I think they've fixed it by now because this was from a couple of days ago. Um, so yeah, Marvel's Avengers got a new patch on Tuesday, but alongside a number of uh, updates, uh, it has addressed a pretty big. bat yeah, so this is basically them saying that it was, it, it was patched this past week or so. Um, the game has will. Oh wait, no. It has added a pretty bad bug on PS5. The game will now show a string of floating text on screen while you're playing. And notably, that string includes your IP address, according to uh, Forbes. Uh, That means if you want to stream or show any sort of gameplay on Marvel's uh, uh, Avengers current patch, somebody could use your IP to learn a lot about you and and a general idea of your location. Uh, The developers have acknowledged the bug via the game's Twitter account and in Twitch tweets posted uh, after we first published this or or after The Verge post posted the published story Sorry, published a specific that the the bug is affected PS5 players and uh, and shared when you when you can expect to see a fix so let's see so yeah by this by this time uh, on Thursday, um, uh, sub, uh, June twenty fifth, uh, it seems to have been dealt with. Because yeah, because it was the the next day. Um, I don't know because I don't have a PS five one. Because you can't find the freakers. Okay. Um uh, Otherwise, I could I could say for sure. But also, you know, hey site right now got other things to do uh, but working towards that but still can't find them <laughs> anyway next up well
0: I figure that's gonna that's gonna you know th- there's gonna be more supply once uh, you know w- once uh, once the holidays start to approach again
1: yeah yeah, probably I mean they're they've they're like you know the they have had some come about here and there, so like even recently, as of like a day or two ago, there was like, "Hey, you know, we got some people have been getting some in stock, but they've also been quickly leaving somehow, you know." Um. But yeah, so often they've they've been having like things happen to where they're supposedly stock and you know are not. Uh, it's all ridiculous. But uh, next up, next
0: up, the Hulkbuster goes black and
1: gold with a new Beast Kingdom
0: figure. Mm -hmm. Beast Kingdom has revealed a new mini-egg attack figure as Iron Man deploys his mighty Hulkbuster armor, but this time it's getting an upgrade with a new black and gold paint scheme that will stand out in any any collection. The mini-figure stands three inches tall and will feature LED effects in his eyes, bringing the figure to life. Um, It's set to release in January 2022, and it's priced at $33.99. Pre-orders are already live. And collectors
1: can find them uh, at the link in the article. So here's something funny because I think when I first pulled this article, I could have sworn it said like three hundred and some odd dollars. So they may have changed that. Um, but two also, um, this I thought this was something that had come out before, but it might be a different figure because I came came across an article from a cup from 2018. That says Sentinel announced re-edit black and gold uh Hulkbuster. Um which is not the same figure, but it's because that figure is a bigger uh bigger figure, bigger size figure than the one we're talking about here. Uh and I believe this is the one that actually costs a good grip of money. Um, so I don't know if that one ever came out, but it, it kinda looks like it's just a more detailed uh version of it. This is just like a more of a Funko Pop looking uh, sized figure, so there you go. It's out there for you, but it's cool looking regardless. Uh, next up, uh, all new Power Rangers Dino Fury Chromancer Chroma Fury Fate Saber uh, is a is out there. Or will be available, rather. So the Chroma Fury Saber has color-spanning technology, uh, color-changing LEDs, and motion-activated light and sound effects that lets kids and fans imagine they've been into the action as their favorite ranger. Uh, press the button on the hilt of the Chroma Fury Saber and place the end uh, of the hilt on the surface to scan the co- uh, color. Uh, scan something red to make the LED and the blade light up red like the saber of the red ranger so that's actually kind of cool or scan something pink uh for a pink blade or blue for blue scans aren't limited to ranger colors scan on for orange blade so i've been watching so this is uh the one of the blades from the new dino fury um show that i think just hit netflix because i think they didn't um they didn't put it out on tv um and this is coming from that and it's also kind of funny because like They have these swords, and you kind of have to pull back the lever of them to do a certain thing. And I'm sitting here thinking, in the time they pull these level, like, X amount of of time to do their power boost, somebody could just come up and bop them in the head. So I just kind of find it funny that they just have that mechanic uh, in the show like that. But there you go. If you're so inclined, um, it's out there for you. And hey, Cammy, how you doing? Um, Shout out to people in the uh, audience uh, on on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, Next up, though, hello. Next up,
0: DC is canceled. Batman, Superman. Gene Luen Yang's Batman Superman run is going to end with a Mister Mixie Pitlick adventure. Uh Gene Luen Yang's well-received Batman Superman run is being cut short as DC has announced his run and the series will be ending with September's Batman Superman number
1: 22. Oh, uh, so that's, all, that's not far because um, it's 19 now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking to see... All right. So the decision for the Batman Superman series appears rather sudden, since Yang's run on the title just began back with March's Batman Superman sixteen. Uh, August's Batman Superman number twenty one is the finale of the current the Archive of World's arc and has been collected into a titular volume this September this December, with number twenty two working as a one off finale. It's not clear if and how DC would collect this one off story down the road for Yang's sizable book trade audience. The current Batman Superman series is the second volume under that title after the original Batman Superman ran for 32 issues from 2014 to 2016.
1: Uh, All right. So, yeah. I mean, that seems sudden, but what can you do? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Batman Urban Legends sees the return of Batman Beyond. So this September, Batman Beyond makes his return as a uh, part of an upcoming issue of the DC anthology series Batman Urban Legends. Uh, Batman Urban Legend number seven co-writer Justin Jackson Lansing shared a look at the covers uh at the issue's cover on Twitter. Batman is dead. Long live Batman, Lansing wrote. Uh Batman Beyond Returns in Wake, a thirty page cyberpunk mystery by Max Dunbar, um Aditya, Biddy Carr, Sebastian Chang, and um the Lansing Kelly uh, Highman, who we've had on the show, by the way. Uh we're storming Neo Gotham and it'll never be the same. And you can see the cover right there if you're watching the video for uh version. Next.
0: Alrighty. Uh what do we have to Black Manta? Mm-hmm. Black Manta gets his own DC series from creators of Bitterroot and Bitch Planet. Like Father like Son Like Father. Black Manta's kid has a book, and now so does Black Manta um this september writer chuck brown of Bitterroot will be working with artist valentine delandro from bitch planet on a six issue black manta series for dc dc has not provided any details on the story of the limited series or art as of yet this will be black manta's first solo series of any length unless you count his spotlight issued back in 2021 uh aquaman 23.1 for dc villains month this new black manta series was announced by dc in passing as part of the news of its dc connect catalog returning in the month of september in addition to black manta the press release was the first official word from the publisher on deathstroke inc and are you afraid of dark side two series newsorama
1: broke news about last week okay Uh, Next up, Comixology is officially shutting down its DC Comics branded app. Um, The company sent out a message that uh, the application will close on Wednesday, June 28th, so not far from now. Readers will be able to still access their DC titles, but they will have to transfer them to the main Comixology app. Uh, Those who want to read DC Comics elsewhere can can check out the DC Universe uh, Infinite app. Which is available, you know, in the places you would find apps. And then the article goes on to show you how to uh, transfer your comics from the DC app to uh, the Comicsology app. If you are uh, ne- needing to do that. Because you would think they would have had a way to do that, like the other things. But next up. Alright, so uh,
0: seminal rapper Chuck Deed launches... Graphic novel inspired by Public Enemy album. Z2 Comics is partnering with Chuck D to create a graphic novel inspired by Public Enemy's 1991 album, Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black. Um, Z2 Comics is collaborating with UME and Def Jam Recordings on uh apocalypse 91 revolution never sleeps the first graphic novel from public enemies chuck d not his first comic book though but his first graphic novel correct um the collaboration sees the hip-hop luminary teaming up with uh troy jeffrey allen che grayson evan narciss and regine sawyer on the comic inspired by the album the novel is Z2's latest in its series of releases that celebrate notable works of music by coupling the creators with leading comic book artists. Um, Chuck says... This graphic novel is a new take on the artwork I've been making, growing naturally from the paint and pens that express what's on my mind and reflect what's happening around us, said Chuck D. It was a real honor to have my illustrations alongside the who's who of comic book artists. He does hold a BFA in graphic design from New York's Adelphi University. Um, Let's see. Going through this... I know that the cover is done. the The cover image that we have is done by uh, Mike Del Mundo, and he posted it on uh, Instagram. and It's just a really great looking cover. So, and I know Mike yeah. Del Mundo is a big hip hop hit, So, yep. um, it's natural that he would be in on this collaboration.
1: Yeah, so it's cool. I saw, um, I saw this on Twitter uh, when it was announced a few days ago. I'm like, all right, yeah, this is cool. And that's from some of the people involved, like uh, Regime Sawyer and um, Evan Narcissus. Narcissus. So that's cool. Um, I hope we get a copy of this uh, so we can check it out. Next up, though, um, Horizon Zero Dawn Liberation debuts a pre- preview of its first issue. So, Titan Comics has debuted a preview of the first issue of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Liberation, a comic series based on a popular uh, PlayStation 4 and 5 game. Uh, per press release, the series will take place during events of the game and will tell a new story in which the game protagonist, Aloy, and her ally, Erend uh, hunt a killer with ties to the latter's past. Uh, the story will be written by Ben McKay, uh, the, narr- the narrative director of uh, HZD and and tool with artwork by Elmer Damasco uh let's see it's going to be released on July 28th and you can preview uh get a little preview in the article next
0: alright next up um Warren Ellis's accusers respond to his Image Comics Return with Ben Templesmith. Uh, This is an updated story. Last year, comics writer Warren Ellis, known for his work at Marvel and DC on series like Next Wave, Batman's Grave, Transmetropolitan, as well as his work on Netflix's Castlevania series, was the subject of accusations from a group of over 60 people who claim years of grooming and sexually predatory behavior by the writer, often allegedly in exchange for mentorship in the world of comics writing. Now, a year to the day that allegations began emerging, Ellis is once again getting major work at Image Comics. The news was brought to light through an update on the Patreon account of artist Ben Templesmith, who noted he and Ellis would be reuniting at Image Comics this year to revive and conclude Fell, a crime series the duo began at Image in 2005 and which has been on hiatus since 2008. Uh, He says, for better or worse, this is unfinished business to me. We really left it hanging. Obviously, so much has changed since those days. Uh, He says, yes, I know uh, Star so much. Bold, you know, bold. Temple Smith wrote in the Post announcing the news. Uh, Let's see. Uh... So the news has drawn harsh criticism from many comics credits and professionals, and Image Comics has yet to publicly acknowledge Temple reveal or announce Phil's return itself. However, Temple Smith once again took this Patreon to address some fans' concerns Ellis's slow return to the comics sphere in the wake of the accusations levied against him. Uh, he says, "I can't. I just can't subscribe to a permanent social and economic living death for anyone outside of criminal matters. What's between you all and him?" So you're personal business and i wish you all well in those dealings everyone will be free to not buy the book ignore his further works and mine deride them and pass judgment economically Tellsmith smith wrote in response to a commenter "Nah, there's still more jesus there's yeah, a lot you more you don't,
1: you don't really have to go through it yeah we get the we get the gist yeah um, there's a lot more all right yeah um idw promotes erica turner plus two new editorial hires um, IDW Publishing has promoted uh, Erica Turner to the position of executive editor and has hired uh, two new editorial uh, staff, one of which we kind of know, not know personally, but know of by name, uh, Heather Antos uh, as editor and Jasmine Joyner. Um, Turner came on board last year as as uh, senior editor of original content at IDW. Prior to that, she was a senior editor at um, Huffington Mifflin um, which I keep wanting to call Dunder Mifflin for some strange reason uh, hardcore versify as uh, executive editor. Heather Antos uh, is notable to a lot of people from um, Marvel because she was an assistant editor there from 2015 to 2018. Um, uh, She also worked at Valiant as a senior editor. Um, and done some free work, freelance work so, but now she's uh, at IDW she'll be responsible for Star Wars Adventures and, action, and Marvel Action Comics so you know stuff she's familiar with um, Jasmine Joyner who will work on the Marvel Action Comics as well as original middle grade uh, graphic novels was an assistant editor at Megascope a graphic imprint of uh, Abrams Comic Arts and Shirley Book's Journey Journey, uh, excuse me, Journey Journey, Journer was also a comics journalist with a focus on disability activism in the comics world and a comics retailer. Uh, They were a member of the retailer group The Valkyries. Um, Journer was also a co owner of Visionary Comics in Riverside, uh, California, making them one of the very few uh, black women comics retailers. So, good on them. So, last but not least.
0: Yikes. Uh, Yikes. A new company is launching comic tags, collectible cards with unique codes that allow the user to download a comic in PDF format. The cards are attached to hangable backers that are folded like mini-comics and include art from the comic. The first batch is being launched in partnership with Scout Comics and includes eight graphic novels, The Mall, White Ash, Mindbender, Stabbity Bunny, It Eats What Feeds It, Gut Ghost, Solar flare in the source. All are priced at six ninety nine a piece. Uh, in general, comic tags will be priced lower than physical trades and graphic novels. The partners behind Comic Tags are James Hake III and Don Hanfield, both of Scout Comics. Despite their affiliation, Comic Tags is a separate company, and more publishers are expected to sign on in the future.
1: Uh yeah, we'll see if that's actually true.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Basically, the, the the gist of it is Hanfield said in a statement that he believes digital comic sales are as low as they are 8 to 9% of total sales because readers want something physical that they can collect. On the other hand, Haik points out, as a lifelong collector, he has a house full of comics that are not readily accessible because they are stored in boxes. Comic tags are designed to resolve both problems combining the easy access of digital comics with the collector's desire for a physical product. Okay. Hmm
1: retailers who want to carry the tag should contact the company directly i mean if we find out any more about this then we'll let you we'll let folks know about it but i don't know i do you know i just don't know but that being the case i don't know you got a thought on it or no i mean i understand the idea whether or
0: not it'll take off is another story simply because how do you store these things right you know do they go into card sleeves the way like baseball cards do
1: Right, yeah that that is that is part of the question, and how do you redeem them? And you know, and you know.
0: Well, I mean, we presume you know, you know. Let's presume that you redeem them like codes, like you do with the Marvel, you know, the um,
1: sure, you know the the, the digital codes, right? Or some sort of and, RF reader or something. I don't know. Right,
0: but let's let let's say that let's say that's the case.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: mm-hmm. you know, the whole point of collectibility is that they carry some kind of intrinsic value going forward hmm. And, you know, you're storing them, keeping them in relatively close to mint condition or in the best condition possible. So how do you store these things?
1: Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, that, that is a question. Um,
0: you know, you know, just just keep in mind anything that is beyond like oh, a uh, 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 regular comic
1: book size. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of freaks out over true so there is a um there is a gallery gallery uh attached to this article um okay so yes uh it looks like there's an app and there's a it says uh visit uh this yeah so basically it's like what you kind of what you said looks like because there's a um looks like there's a qr code here on this uh mobile app thing and uh says, yeah, visit uh comictabs.com, use your unique code and download your comic your digital comic book. Right. Um outside of that, yeah, it just looks like a little um like it looks like a little card. I mean I don't know, I don't know the scale of it dude, because it looks like um like a third of the size of the comic, but I don't, but, uh, uh, but I don't know if that's the case, or they just like. No, I think that's no, just the sp- packaging, right? Right. I think the scale. actual the actual
0: card that has the code on it is probably very similar to a collectible card, you know, like a Magic the Trading Card, a baseball right. card, football card, whatever. Right. Right. That's what I'm thinking, and uh, that's what it's you know you know like I said, the whole point of
1: collectability for a lot of people is that it's easy to store. Although, I mean, if you look at the first image. Um that looks like there might be three different sizes. Because the, the one unicorn book kinda looks like it's is almost as big as the um is is the book. It's just like a little page, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was about to say it's a wait and see thing, but, but like I said, you know, the, just speaking from the collector's perspective, you know, I'm not the most hardcore collector in the world, but I I I I, I dabble in, you know, collecting for collecting sake, you know you know in addition to collecting because i actually like it so you know i'll actually like the product or what or the book or whatnot Mm -hmm. so um you know i'll give you the example of the most recent uh teenage mutant ninja turtles thing that has become collectible that last ronin series right right that's oversized so that actually doesn't fit in any comic book bags uh, any normal comic book bags actually has to go into a magazine bag right. that means it also doesn 't fit into a regular comic book box, so where do you store them? Do you just stack them on your bookshelf or you know do you arrange them on your bookshelf or do you put them in a magazine box which most people don 't have right so you know that 's just that 's one of those logistical things that collectors think about so that 's just you know that 's that 's just one aspect of this that you know I'm sure they'll they'll make an attempt at addressing but you know that's where my mind immediately went It's like well I guess this is just a collectible card you're gonna put in a sleeve or a, a, a sheet you know like we did with our baseball cards or, or basketball cards so
1: yeah true or magic you like know. a binder sheet yeah exactly yeah gotcha yeah we yeah we'll look said we'll see we shall see uh, and that's folks is where we come to the end of this fine uh, Combo Chronicles program. But first, one last ad read. We've been at it for a
0: while. You know what we read. When we've been at it for a while, keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and keep the key, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to Shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment. That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today.
1: Whoops. And as we come to an end of another uh Comble Chronicles, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming out. Uh, whether it be audio or video or you know live in the recording, however it uh, happened to be. Uh, I have been RyderCats. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter, you can find me at NewsNotes Need on Twitter, you can also find me at CBCaps on Instagram. <laughs> Agent underscore70 on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> PC underscore dirt on uh, Twitter, PopCultureNet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all of those umbrella sites therein. Um, and also, maybe bite uh, under comic reviews, no vowels. vowels. Tim, D O G G 9 8 on Twitter, uh, the Osiris that is ish. You can also find him at uh, CB Kron, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, you can also find him at uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's the also theclicknation.com spelled the same way. But also, more importantly, uh at Combook Resources, where he's over there writing his face off at CBR.com. You can catch us here every Thursday night. Um, um excuse me, excuse me, you can catch this podcast on any of your podcast rules a place of choice on the coast of the podcast networks at CSPN.us. Do it today you could also catch us on uh google play apple itunes aka apple podcasts spotify or the Coastal of the podcast network soundcloud page you can also catch us on thursday night where we record every um every week nine thirty ish p.m on um uh, the click nation's youtube channel that's the uh that's the youtube.com slash the click nation and also, um, simultaneously, on twitch.tv slash Chronicles, all one word. So yeah, I appreciate uh, everybody for who's been in the chat, um, who's popped by, whether you're, you're, you're lurking or not. Um, and we will see folks next week, same bat time, same bat channel, for another episode of this year's show. And until then, peace. Peace, one. We'll